Hello and welcome to this episode of the Horror Drafts Podcast. we got a little bit of a different one for you today. It is just the host, just Nick Schwartz and I, Brantley Palmer, your host today. We're doing, we're calling these a slash and dash episodes where it's just the two hosts doing a, uh, a smaller franchise, one that it wouldn't really make sense to bring in a guest to do. And this week we're taking a look at the Child's Play franchise uh nick i'm excited to talk to you man about the child's play franchise because um i had watched the first four up through bride and had never really delved into seed of chucky or then like those the straight to vod curse and cult uh until we decided to do this and uh i was re-watching them all i was really like struck by this franchise because and i have a question to pose to you do you think that the Child's Play franchise is the most consistent of all of like the big horror franchises? I'm so that's 100% yes and I was okay. going to say that and I thought it was going to be a controversial thing to say on this on this podcast. So I'm glad you said it first. But yeah, I was um same thing. I had seen um some of the recent installments and I had never seen Seed, so I I watched that for this. Um mm-hmm. And I, I still haven't watched the series, which I know we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about. Um, yeah. But yeah, so in rewatching them, I, I kind of went back and revisited some of the ones I, I remembered less. Um, even the ones that I remember not liking when I was younger, I mm-hmm. a I enjoyed them a lot more this time. Um, I mean, I, I think I watched them all when I was in high school, so it's been 20 years. Um, yeah. And so my memory of them was I don't know what what it was that you know those particular ones really rubbed me the wrong way in high school, but this time revisiting them not only did i enjoy them but like even if i hadn't i really am struck by the production values on all of these movies are actually pretty stunning um Mm -hmm. like they're well made they they're pretty slickly made um especially for like slasher sequels and when you get into a franchise that's like six seven entries deep and the movies are like that well made and like the the creator of the characters is still involved and it's just yeah, 100%. I was, like, trying to, like, I don't, I was just so shocked to be enjoying them as much as I was rewatching them and was very impacted by, like, my immediate comparisons to other slasher franchises because the entire time mm-hmm. I'm watching these movies in Child's Play, I'm thinking, you know what, like, even some of my favorite slasher friend like i really love halloween i love the franchise but there are some really shitty entries in the halloween movies and hellraiser i was never a fan of like nightmare on elm street is spotty to me there's some really good entries and there's some really bad ones child's play is just like across the board really solid and like i would happily watch any of them and not be disappointed like i could Mm -hmm. throw out you know whatever like if i'm with company and I would just like let them pick and I'd be happy with whatever they picked. And it's like the only horror franchise I can think of, um, at least with like five or more entries where I'd be like, fine to watch any of them always. Um, yeah, I, I'm so I'm happy s- you said that. Yes. No, I, that was the number one thing that struck me after watching them all because I don't know, you know, like the curse and cult, the newer ones that like, the, you know, having a straight to VOD kind of, I don't want to say stink. Cause I don't think they're, bad but like you know sometimes that's it's viewed you know negatively to go straight to video back in the day or to go straight to vod but like yeah there's like some real money behind them uh and like they look great and and you know are pretty darn well made 
especially you know for for vo straight to vod stuff um but yeah thinking about this whole franchise i was like okay the best of the child's play franchise isn't as good as the best halloween or the best friday or the best nightmare on elm street but the worst of it is nowhere near as bad as the worst of you know any of those franchise and they, they all like have like a nice real tight range between them so like as we're going through our list i'm sure like the lowest on my list is like so many levels above what i think the worst of like a halloween or nightmare on elm street or any of those franchise really me too i was having trouble making this list earlier um in terms of Mm. actually ranking these um it was a challenge they're like yeah not because um not because they're all just you know like with halloween it's not like there's two standouts and the rest are all such trash that i had to like put them in some weird it was they're all just pretty solid and i it was hard to decide like i think if you asked me next week or next month or whatever like maybe my order would be different maybe it has Mm -hmm. a lot to do with like the how recent i saw some of these um i don't know uh but it was it was hard so i'm excited to hear your list because um yeah for what is it there's eight I assume we're doing the remake. We haven't actually talked about that, but the yeah, yeah, we haven't mentioned it. But yeah, in order to get the eight, we are including the Child's Play remake from was twenty nineteen twenty nineteen yeah. yeah. Um, which so for anyone who is unaware, uh, Don Mans and I think this is the reason they are all so consistent, which is that Don Mancini has written every single one of the Child's Play films, with the exception of the remake. The remake was essentially. It lives in its own little world. It, it, Don Mancini was not um, included in like the writing or the making of that one. And the lore of that film is v- separate from the other uh, films. Um, but I think that's... Th- this is Don Mancini's franchise. And, you Absolutely. know, he's directed Seed, Curse, and Cult of Chucky. And he is the creator of the new TV show that's on Sci-Fi in USA right now. Um but he's written every single one of them. And I think that is the reason that this is the most consistent uh, series of horror because he's been involved pretty much in every single one of them and is the overall creative visionary of the franchise, essentially. Yeah, that's uh, <clears throat> and um, I 100% agree with that. And I'm also, you know, I'm curious because one thing that stands out about these seven well seven movies again i'm not mm. not including the remake in this one because he was not involved but um slasher franchises don't tend to have a lot of like logical continuity a logical yes. maybe not the best but like there's there are threads in this franchise that kind of weave through the entire things and they're consistent the entire time um yes. from the first one all the way through cult um and mm-hmm. i was like that is that stands out to me as something that I have not really picked up on in any other horror franchise to date. Um, I even agree. like, I mean, and there is a reboot of this franchise, and yet still, like disregarding that, it's just a pretty straight line from the first one through the seventh one, which is really impressive. And again, it has to be yeah. because Don Mancini has just been involved creatively with every single one. Oh, absolutely, and it's like. You know, it's like every horror franchise goes and, like, starts to tweak with, like, the mythology and the lore of their characters and building more of this backstory to them. I think some of the, like, worst tends to be, like, um, Nightmare on Elm Street, where 
instead of just being like he's already he's already awful enough as like this child molester or child killer i forget i forget exactly which one it was but then it's like oh his like mom was like raped and he's the son of a thousand maniacs i'm like this is just gross it feels so (laughs) sleazy like so grindhouse like nasty like that's why the fifth one is like one of my least favorite ones as bloodless as the sixth one is that everyone like really like harps on as like the worst of the nightmare franchise i mean the fifth one is just it's grody to me um but like this one the lore of it is so tight, even though they're like expanding on it in every single film, whether that's going into his history or like building like what Chucky can do, you know, like his powers essentially. Um, but it never feels like it's like they're like trying to twist or like mess with things or like alter anything from previous movies. It's just building on it. And that's a really good way to put it. Yeah. And and the series, by the way, does a lot of that too, in really oh, cool. cool ways. In really cool ways. So we'll, we'll t- I'll talk about that. I figured we'd do the draft maybe afterwards. I'll t- I'll talk a little bit about the series because I've um, uh, watched the whole Chucky series, which which is fantastic, and I'd really recommend it to anybody. Um, so yeah, that was the that was the 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 number one thing I thought of as I watched. It. I was like, man, these are so consistent, um, like quality wise. Yeah, they never yeah. they don't. I mean, if you asked me about what a smart horror franchise was, like, I don't think that my mind would go straight to, to Child's Play, but they never take yeah. their audience for granted ever. Uh-uh. Um, and and I mean that, in the, like, again, like what you were saying, in, in terms of the lore, in terms of the... Like, it's preposterous, obviously, that this, this... It's a doll that's possessed by the spirit of, like, a killer, but they've never, like... There are so many opportunities along the way in this franchise where a producer could have stepped in and said, "Okay, like that's getting a little silly now that we've been doing this for four installments. Like, let's mm-hmm. we can we can keep most of the stuff, but let's just kind of like go back into the mythos behind the Chucky character and kind of like rewrite it to something less absurd." But no, they like double down on it every single time. It's awesome, mm-hmm. and they never <laughs> and it's st- like it's still going that way again, with the exception of the remake, which I think we should talk about because I I have stuff to say about that but um yeah yeah me too you, you're talking about just the don mancini ones it's like it has stayed so consistent in terms of like its absurdity that it doesn't even yes. seem absurd anymore like that's just like I, I i just respect the hell out of him um for like steering the franchise essentially straight <laughs> the entire yeah. time there are oh, no hundred percent a hundred percent like yeah watch all these again i'm just like man hats off don mancini for like nailing this for for the most part like all the way through for over three decades just like nailing this like ongoing story i don't like you know not even looking at it as like each individual film but just this ongoing story that is constantly evolving of this character because the the tv series by the way just is a continuation from cult of chucky by the way so it's it's really great it's almost like a an eight-part you know, final film, which has been renewed for season two, by the way. I know. Uh, that's so awesome. that's like exciting that they're going to, it's, they're going to keep up because it, it's did, it's done great, which is really awesome. I know as um, recently as like, I think maybe in the <coughs> summer too, summer of 2021, he was, I mean, TV series was in production. And I think he was quoted as saying like, there will still be feature films. Oh yeah. And that's, ex- that's really exciting too. Yeah. Because I mean, like you like everything I've never worked on a TV show. Everything I've heard is that it is just so labor intensive, especially if you're like doing the, all the pre the writing, 
then the pre-production, then the production, then the post-production. When you're a creator and like an, a, a big executive producer on something like that. Oh, yeah. I mean, that is just like, that's from the beginning to the end, you know. And uh, there's very little time in between. So I'm excited to see if they do decide to keep doing films, how those are going to work into the lore of the series. And, and how they're, you know, is one going to, you know, take place between two seasons or something like right, this yeah. one takes place between seasons two and three or, or whatever, you know? Um, so that's exciting. Yeah. I'm that it might be a monetary <laughs> issue too. And I don't that's know true. if that's what they're doing. Well, I mean, in terms of um, like the, the plan, but I'm like, I'm another reason I respect them that they're doing this series and Don Mancini is still talking about doing movies is that they didn't pull like any of this dark tower nonsense when they were trying to adapt that and they're like it's going to be like a three seasons of a show and then two movies will come at this point and then another movie will come in here and it's just like just make one thing at a time and yeah and that's what he's do like that's what he's doing and it doesn't like he's kind of straddling mediums it's fine he went from one he went for the film he took a break he's doing the tv series like maybe he'll continue on that and maybe he won't maybe in between two seasons he's going to do a film and who knows when that will take place in terms of the timeline of the franchise i don't care i'm excited to see it i feel like yeah. it's like he's just doing the movies and um tv series in the like in the order he wants in the way he wants to um you know when he feels like it's time to do them so great you know there's seven years between i think Child's Play 3 and Bride of Chucky and then between Bride of Chucky and Seed. Um, mm -hmm. There's like six years? Yeah, six right? or seven is, years. Seed is 04, right? I guess it was 04, so six years and then 10 years, you know, between that. I, and... I don't know exactly. I, that was, I thought it was 04, but I'm not 100%. I think, I think it was too. It was my first, first year of college, I think. I don't know. It was, yeah, it's either 04 or 05, but I think it is 04. Um, so six years. Yeah. And then... Yeah, and then again, like I'm ten years between Seed and Curse, and maybe that was a financial issue, um, or maybe mm -hmm. it was because he just stepped away from the franchise for a while and then came back and had like, cre I don't know the answer to that. I get the sense though that like moving forward, it's completely in his hands, and it's like a creative decision on his part. Like, I don't know what it costs yeah. to make these movies, but he's found ways to do it cheaply, for, like straight to VOD, mm -hmm. and he's now doing the series on sci-fi, and like I just feel like the money is not an issue. It's just like his passion for the franchise. And like when he feels like it's time to pull the trigger on another installment or something. And that's when he'll do it. And like, as long as he's kind of spearheading it, I'm totally on board. Oh yeah. Same here. And, and, you know, I think there's that said, there was such a big gap between seed and curse because that was the transition from theatrical to the VOD, which I didn't realize this, but it seems like universal has like, a couple series that like they have in that like VOD marketplace where the, Tremors the Tremors. Yeah. Yeah. The Tremors franchise and it picked up again in 2015 with the Tremors five. And so they did five, six and seven, which were all like straight to VOD uh, as well. They have like the death race series. Like, do you remember that first yeah. death race remake yep. from like back in the day that, that came to theaters but then I think like there's been a bunch of sequels of that that have gone straight to VOD or DVD. So like Universal has like a couple of these like franchises that they have in that space. So I wonder if that's why there was the biggest gap between Seed and Curse was because whether it was a money thing or Universal being like, okay, look, we'll give you. I think I think I saw the budgets were like six million. They're like, we'll give you six million, but it's going to be VOD, and like. You know, if it does well, you can get some more money to do more or something like that. 
Oh yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I I got the sense that it was that that it was that's probably something like what what happened there. I mean, who knows? I, this is all speculation, of course, and I'm not in the industry, so who knows? But uh, I wonder if that's why there's the big gap there between those two. Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot changed between 2004 and 2014 oh, yeah. in terms of Jesus. VOD. I mean, like the streaming mm-hmm. and it's like VOD. I don't think is like or straight to video is not. Um, like, as you said, I don't think there's as much of a stink associated with it anymore, or at least no. I still have that like preconception whenever I hear straight to video. And I remember when I heard that curse was going to be straight to video, I was like, well, that's it for this franchise. It's all downhill yeah, from here. Exactly. But, exactly. Um, but yeah, no, but it's not, it's totally not. I mean, you got the streaming landscape. I mean, the pandemic helped more. I mean, didn't obviously it's weird to use a positive term in relation to the pandemic, but I mean, in terms yeah. of straight to video and VOD releases, um, it, these are like legit productions that are just that's just the distribution avenue that's happening now yeah and uh, i think we're seeing that with a lot more like just independent films in general and have been for the past 10 years that a straight to vod slash dvd blu-ray like model can be profitable for like independent films and these are like good films that you know just aren't going to get much of a theatrical release in a post like marvel superhero dominated multiplex world um, yeah. you know, it maybe would play at certain art houses and stuff around the country, but it's just not going to be, you know, enough to make monetary sense for like a two to $3 million, like decent indie film. So like that straight to VOD model, like works great. And you're right. Like in the past two years, like under COVID, it's like, we've seen massive blockbusters coming straight to HBO max while also being in the multiplex. So we've gotten so used to seeing quality entertainment, that's directly in our living room streaming. Um, there isn't nearly the stigma on it that we grew up. When we grew up, it was straight to video. Was like it was <laughs> that's bad. like the schlocky Lorenzo Lamas type of like whatever films, you know. That yeah, they just weren't good. They made a ton of money because video stores needed to stock shelves, but like yeah, they they weren't quality. And now straight to streaming, straight to VOD can be just as quality as straight to theater. Right. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, and. I think, um, or at least Curse, maybe Cult also. I don't know. I was just reading up on them again before we recorded. And I know in some countries those got theatrical distribution as well. Um, and I don't know. Oh, if interesting. Like, yeah. I don't, I mean, I don't know if they were huge releases or, you know, if it's just because their you know, VOD model or video model is different in those countries at, at the moment or whatever. I don't yeah. know. But, um, I, yeah, and that's again. I think the lines between theatrical and and um, at home are just blurring more and more these days. And like, I'm stunned. Those the the blockbusters that you mentioned that are opening on HBO Max, they're still doing really well in theaters. Um, mm-hmm. And people have the opportunity to see them, you know, for free or whatever with their streaming plans or rent them at home. And people yeah. are still going to the theaters to see them. The theatrical windows are getting smaller, but like they're still making bank in the theaters. So I just like. I don't know. I feel like screens seem to matter a whole lot less now. Um, just yeah, in general, in terms of like viewership, which uh, you know, and I'm not saying that's a good thing or a bad thing. Like, I don't think that certain films are meant to be watched on a phone, but I think they're the audiences are there no matter what now, and I think that um, going straight to video um, or even straight to you know, like I don't know if like YouTube picked up a series or something like it strikes me as like, that's not a good sign, but like, I don't think that's true anymore. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that 
the need to be in theaters is far it's not needed nearly as much for the vast majority of films anymore unless you are the like 150 200 million dollar blockbuster that needs to have like you know a 150 million dollar or more opening weekend you know the 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 need to be in theaters isn't nearly what it was before you know because there's just so much money in streaming and vod right now streaming especially not not as much vod and so if the goal is just to you know get your film get your series in front of like eyeballs you know that's the way to go oh yeah 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 uh boy okay so that was one of the questions i had written down for (laughs) this franchise (laughs) uh excuse me although when you mentioned the um like overseas you know i wonder if that was just a way for universal to make their a bunch of their money back right away like i wonder if universal handled the theatrical releases overseas or if they just sold the foreign rights to a bunch of countries overseas and then boom they've made like four or five of their six million dollar investment back or something like that and you know it's basically like free money or or whatever after that i I don't know i have no idea what their business model was for the films but i wonder if that's why we saw um some of these ones those last two go into theatrical um spaces in some of those places overseas yeah yeah no that's i have no idea i know international distribution on every movie is is like different so i have no idea yeah. what they had uh planned for these or what they worked out but um yeah yeah uh, well, I'd, be, I'd be curious sorry yeah no no i was gonna say i'm i'm, I'm curious what your next questions are because <laughs> i want to oh, spawn so, some good convos <laughs> well one of my questions was like is the theme of this franchise to just like listen to and believe kids Especially about, like, the trauma they faced. <laughs> like, because watching this, it's... These films, it was like anytime a parent or pr- parent figure or adult, like, doesn't believe the child, they almost always are punished. Whether that's intentional or not. And, you know, I... I maybe I'm just reading into the films, but, you know, Don Mancini is a... Uh, he's a gay filmmaker, so I imagine, you know, if maybe he, you know, grew up with a lot of people that, I don't know, I don't want to phrase this inconsiderately, but, like, I'm sure he faced a lot of, like, issues with identity and his identity and people believing or taking him seriously, and so I wonder, you know, if that's maybe, like, an underlying theme of, of these films. That's interesting. I, um, I... Hadn't put much thought into it. What I what struck me about, and it's probably kind of straddles what you're saying here, but um, there's that old the, you know, the horror convention or trope or whatever that like you know one person is seeing the supernatural entity or like the the killer or the ghost or whatever it may be. Only one person can see it for like 95 percent of the movie, um, mm-hmm. and no one believes them, and that's like where like lots of the tension and plot comes from. And then finally, someone else sees it at the very end and helps stop the whatever. Like that happens in every franchise. But what's fun about the child's play movies is I feel like that reveal um, to the secondary characters actually happens earlier in a lot of these movies. Like mm-hmm. Chucky is. You know, he, he has his, like, he can play the, 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 I think he called it Barbie mode in Seat of Chucky or whatever, like, where he just goes <laughs> stiff and has to play the doll. But, yep. like, you never know exactly when he's going to just kind of, like, let it go and 
and become Charles, you know, essentially, and just like reveal himself to whoever it may be. Um, mm-hmm. And I had not actually thought about like children versus adults in terms of like when or how he kind of reveals himself um, and who believes who. But um, I had I had thought about just like at what point in the structure of the movie, like, is it earlier or later than most horror franchises? And I feel like um, a lot of characters get let in on the secret pretty early in these movies. Yeah, and the thing is, when I'm looking at them, I'm thinking, like, well, even if they aren't killed, and even if they're let in pretty early and and ultimately believe him, like, fairly quickly, they're still punished in some way. Like, you know, uh, Andy's mom, after the first film, was in a mental institution. Right. Like, you know, she's punished in that way, arguably. Now, I have no idea, like, why she isn't back for the second film. I imagine that was, uh, like, a a reason to, like, write her out of the franchise or something. But, like, she's still, like, obviously attacked by Chucky. She's still, but ultimately ends up in a mental institution. And then um, even, like, the police officers who do ultimately, like, believe him at the end of the first are still attacked by uh, Chucky and, you know, not killed, but, you know, attacked. Um, yeah, it was just, it's, it was just like a common theme, even when people aren't killed. Uh, Fiona Dorif obviously yep. ends up in a mental institution <laughs> as well. That becomes the premise of Cult of Chucky. Right. Uh, and then, I mean, look, we're going to get into spoiler territory and I guess I should put a spoiler warning before every one of our, um, podcasts, but you know, the end of Cult of Chucky, I, I feel like so bad for Fiona Dorif's character. And I apologize. I'm blanking on the character's name, but like being inhabited, by Chucky as if uh you know she were like a, a Chucky doll seems like even worse of a like torture <laughs> to me than just being killed you know like put her out of her misery for Christ's sake uh especially because her character will continue on in the TV series uh, uh nice. which is really which is really neat too um so yeah it was it, it was just something I was thinking about as as I watched it I was like god like anyone who doesn't believe these kids like gets punished basically right oh that's you know yeah yeah uh and then speaking of fiona dorif uh is this franchise like the most like um it's not like familial but like the one that just like keeps the most characters around for so long you you know when tiff gets introduced in bride of chucky she is like a mainstay for this series like yes through the movies and into the tv series fiona dorif who's inter- who was introduced in curse is there from curse and cult and the tv series you've got in the tv series the guy who played the, the actor who played the um horrible psychiatrist in cult of chucky is a different character in the TV series now. He's like the husband of the mayor of the town and everything. Oh, nice. And a parent to one of the main um, middle school kids. Um, you have in the TV series, um, is it Kyle from the second one, who's his foster sister? Is it Kyle is her name? I think it was Kyle. Oh, from the second one? Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah. That sounds right. Shh. So she and Andy are back in the TV series. Right uh it's just like it brings these people back in time and time again and in fact to the point in the tv series where and i don't know if you did you hear about this where fiona dorif gets put into a bunch of prosthetics to look like a young charles lee ray in flashback scenes i have heard about that yeah yeah so you know they have brad dorif's daughter basically playing his character as a younger version in the flashback scenes which is really pretty cool yeah that's awesome 
Yeah. Yeah. So they, it was just, it just, it has, I can't think of any other franchise that has that many people coming back constantly time and time again and being used over and over again, or like just using the same actors in different roles in some cases. Yeah. And just again, the absurdity of the franchise, I feel like of all franchises where that sort of consistency might matter i feel it's like matters the least in this franchise like i don't even think anyone appreciates or cares about any of that like the character of um i don't know like part of what i got such a big kick out of was seed of chucky and i will get into it more but it, again it's mm-hmm. just that a lot of the threads from bride of chucky like in any other franchise would have just been dropped and they would have started a new sequel like a new but like even mm-hmm. the, like the silly ones that really don't belong in the sequel or whatever like he just carries them through and you know whether yeah. that's an actor or a character or whatever um it's completely consistent all the way through um down to like the smaller details and uh, i love that that's awesome um yeah it's honestly pretty crazy that he's able to go just so consistently from movie to movie as wild as they get and yet it's still a very linear kind of not linear but like you know it's just like a very natural progression from one to the other as different of as curse of chucky is from seed of chucky it still like makes total sense how chucky is back again and like around at the beginning of that movie because sometimes when i would watch them i was like i'd be like wait how does how did chucky like come back to be and sometimes you don't figure they don't show you until like a ways into the movie right and i'm like oh yeah that totally makes sense never once was i like come on this is like a real you know you're stretching it and that's because like the whole premise is ridiculous yeah that's exactly (laughs) why it works so well and like i don't again i haven't seen the series so i'm not sure if this is like maybe they've already you, you would know maybe they've already answered this but i know like the character of you know glenn slash glenda um uh huh is I'm to my knowledge again in the next couple movies is not mentioned. I don't know if he's yeah he or she is in the in the series, but I know that Don Mancini has been quoted as saying like, yeah, I want to bring that character back someday. And I'm like, ninety five percent of your audience would just be like, I don't care, like fine, but like also <laughs> yeah. like no one cares. I never once questioned what they were up to <laughs> in the subsequent yes. movies. But like, great. I'm glad that he wants to bring him back. That's awesome. I will say the character is mentioned. It's one of the best lines in the whole series, in my mind. Um, They do not make an appearance, but they are mentioned. um, Where, for anyone who doesn't know, the TV series focuses on uh, middle schoolers. And specifically, the main character is a middle schooler who is gay. And he's having a lot of trouble because his dad isn't cool with him being gay, basically. Um, And so... Chucky basically says something to the effect of like, yeah, you know, I've got a, a kid who's LGBTQ, LGBTQ or something like, you know, and he goes, really? He goes, yeah, gender fluid. And uh, and the kid goes, oh, and you're okay with that? And the best line in the, in the whole series is is Chucky going, yeah, I'm not a monster. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, yeah, he'll kill people like, like almost indiscriminately or because he like wants to get his jollies that day, but he's not going to hate his child just because they're gender fluid. You know, it was just like, it was, uh, what a, what a great line. That is a great uh, line. He's hats a great likable killer too. You know, like he, he is, he's one of the most likable <laughs> slashers. I'm sorry to say, like, I know people are all over Freddie. Freddie's got some, but like, I think Chucky yeah. is the most likable of all the 
slashers. Oh, 100%. Uh-huh. I, I agree, too. I mean, I think Jason gets a lot of that, like, is people's favorites because he is sort of like a victim in many ways. And so you, I think a lot of people understand that and then kind of, you know, are on his side a little bit to kill some of the asshole ca- uh, counselors. But yeah, Chucky is like super likable. And as much as Freddy gets, as you're saying, gets like a lot of, um, you know, a lot of the credit for like real witty quips. I'd say like Chucky's are better all around. I think sometimes Freddy's are really forced. Yeah. But I, I never feel that Chucky's is, are forced in any way. And, and I find them very funny uh, almost all the time. Yeah, they are. I mean, some are like really crude lowbrow humor, but I, I think they're, yes. they're all earned. And like they're all, like, yeah. I think, authentic to that character, which just oh, works. Oh, 100%. They're all authentic. Even the handful of ones where I'm like, eh, I don't know about that. I'm like, well, that... Charles Lee Ray would say yeah, something totally, like that, though. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was like, yeah, that's pretty insensitive, but that is very true to his character. Yeah. Uh, anyway. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so anyway, I uh, those are a couple of like the big questions. Like, I was just thinking of the, of, of the series as a whole. I, I wonder, I don't know if you have any more or if you want to uh, get into kind of like um, what we've been watching and consuming before we start the draft, but uh, I'm. You know, I'm I'm ready to go wherever you want to take us, Nick. Yeah, no, no. I that's I think we we covered more than I even intended to. I'm glad we did because there's like a weird amount to unpack in that in that franchise, like more than you would think. Mm-hmm. Um Oh, yeah. And uh no, the only I have one question that's just like I don't I didn't there might be answers to this online. I have no idea, but one thing mm-hmm. that I was asking myself as I was rewatching these was like, is there any way in the world that Andy from the Toy Story franchise is not a reference to Child's Play? Oh, that's a g- great question. Like just the name, and I know it's silly, and like Andy is not an uncommon name, but like it's just also like yeah, it's the exact same premise in some in some respects. I mean, the toys come to life and they have to hide the fact that they're alive, and Andy is the kid who has the relationship with the toy. I don't know. Wow, no, that's a I didn't even put two and two together uh about that and it was the first toy story 95 or 96 i think it was 95 that the first one came out so that's really only seven years after the first first yeah that's what made me think of it and and they've been working on it for years i believe years so really probably even less than that maybe like four-ish years after the first one yeah and like two after the second so wow yeah i mean it would have been probably like right on their minds i i think that's like one of those things where I'm like, their audience obviously is not the same, but like some mm-hmm. animator at Pixar or whatever, like could have just been a fan of the franchise and said like, yeah, yeah, well, I'll just name him Andy because who cares? His name could be anything. Um, or it's just a coincidence and it's not really, I mean, but it's just something funny to think about that. Like someone at Pixar oh. was like a huge Child's Play fan and was like, yeah, we'll name this character Andy. Oh, I 100% agree. Okay. So I just, I had to Google it to see just to just to see if like there's any story or whatever the number one thing that comes up is in a reddit uh a subreddit called fan theories so obviously that's like an unconfirmed like fan theory (laughs) yeah um uh there's something uh, a, a website called pixar planet that does like the second thing i'm glad it's mentioned but, uh, at all anywhere yeah, but you know what? This is just a forum, so it's just fans discussing, like and like pondering. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm not seeing anything that's like a news article. Um, 
that yeah that and you know what the problem is there's like some there was like something in 2019 oh for when the the remake came out where one of the ads was yeah it was Chucky related leaving to... yeah w- like killing woody or something like toy that. story 4 came out like within uh, maybe the same day but like within days yeah. of that yeah and so yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of like that stuff about the remake and lee unkridge who's involved with the toy story franchise is um like a shining fanatic and references the shining uh, and everything he does and i think he wrote the first toy story or co-wrote it or whatever um so like it wouldn't surprise me at all if anyone else on any of those movies just was like, yeah, I'm a horror fan and this makes sense. Mm-hmm. We're making a movie about, you know, living toys. Let's just name the kid Andy. But yeah. just something to no, ponder. I exactly. I, I, it wouldn't surprise me at all. I wish there was more of a definitive answer out there. Um, and maybe there is if I actually dug a little bit more. But I got to the bottom of the first page on Google and was like, I'm not going <laughs> to keep going. But yeah, no, I, I like that. I didn't even think about that. So that's great. Cool. But yeah, no, that was it. So I'm, 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 All let's, right. let's, let's do it. I'm ready. Yeah, no, let's do it. So, uh, have you been watching besides the child's play franchise? Is there anything you've been watching or reading or listening to or consuming that you wanted to shout out before we, before we started the draft? Um, no for, uh, yeah, I think I've had at least one thing that I've watched for each episode but this is the first time i've got nothing i've been it's busy season at work and i've been squeezing on the child's play franchise so i can be ready for this yeah. um so i don't and trying to think if there's anything i've read or tv series i've done or anything lately but um i honestly can't say that there is no no i totally get it i know you you've been like really busy work-wise so i know even just like scheduling this or um you know, I was trying to be cognizant of, of your schedule because I know you're you're much busier than I, basically, uh, you know, when it came to, to work and everything. Um, so I, I'll say for, uh, on my end, um, because with like the past couple of weeks, we've released some of our back catalog of Physical Media Matters episodes. So it's been a couple of weeks and I'd had a, a bit of time to do, a, well, actually some podcast listening that I meant to mention, I think, on some of our other episodes. But there's a podcast called Dead Eyes which it's in like its third season and I'd never heard of it before. And I can't imagine how I'd ever missed it. Cause I listened to so many and it is so amazing. So, okay. Do you know how we are, we're going to do that was mission impossible ever put on Betamax yes. uh, episode eventually. And it's going to be like a serial reply all style episode <laughs> yeah. uh, that will delve into something really not consequential at all, but like is <laughs> something we're very curious about. Yeah. Dead Eyes is basically like that. It's gone on now into its third season. And the premise is actor and comedian Connor Ratliff was fired off of the Band of Brothers TV show, was fired specifically by Tom Hanks. And the reason he was given was that he had quote unquote dead eyes. And so it is so far a three season exploration of him trying to get to the bottom of why exactly he was fired <laughs> off of band of brothers. And, you know, he is very funny. He's like a well-known improv comic. Uh, and so like, it's very humorous. It's very funny, but it's also like very like serious. Isn't the right word, but like, it's, it's not just like goof, I guess is what I'm trying to say. It, it has a lot of like pathos to it and is done in the style of like, you know, a serial style exploration, but it also doesn't take itself too seriously, but it also is examining like serious things because sometimes he'll have different themes because 
he said like from the beginning, like this podcast will end if I ever get Tom Hanks on here to talk about <laughs> it. And so far he hasn't, but he's talked to all of these people like surrounding the issue. Um, and so it's, it's very interesting to get their perspectives. He'll bring on different actors and talk to them about times they've been fired off of projects. Um, like John Hamm was like an early guest in like the first season. Um, and Zach Woods, who people probably know from like Silicon Valley and the office and things like that. Um, it's like a good friend of his who's on. So yeah, he'll, he talks to all these people. And so it's, it's really fun and very funny and, uh, uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of fun. So I would recommend people check that podcast out. It's called dead eyes. Uh, it's really, really great. Um, and then after our horror comedies episode where we, I talked about tremors and my love for the first film and Matt was saying that he, you know, he liked the second one, but then like the sequels, ah, he wasn't a fan of. So I was like, yeah, I really liked the second one too. And I remember the third one being really bad and not being like a fan of it. And I was like, yeah, but they've done like seven of these now. So maybe I should go back and like rewatch a bunch of these. So <clears throat> I rewatched two, which I do really like. Three, which I also don't like. And then I, I have the first four. So I rewatched the fourth one, which is actually a prequel. It takes place in 1889. And that one's a lot of fun because Michael Gross doesn't play Burt Gummer, the like libertarian conspiracy theorist like gun-toting nut he plays like his ancestor Hiram Gummer who is like this you know wealthy effete kind of like doesn't have a lot of practical skills kind of character who comes to what's called rejection Nevada at the time to take over the silver mine and then begins battling these um, you know tremors who are killing people so that one's a lot of fun and then I there's a big break because that one was like I think oh four and then in 2015, they picked up again with these like straight to VOD and DVD ones that Universal does with Tremors 5 Bloodlines, Tremors A Cold Day in Hell, and then the most recent one, which is Tremors Shrieker Island. And the one of the reasons the third one is so awful, besides the fact that I think it's like written really poorly, is that the CG, they really rely heavily on CG in that one. And they introduce, it's also goofy because they introduce the ass blasters, which are like the flying ones. So besides that being goofy on its own, they just rely on the CG of them flying and it looks horrible. Like so bad, like so laughably bad. Not as bad as like Birdemic <laughs> CG, but like not a ton better is <laughs> what I'm going to say. Um so the three is by far the worst in the franchise, but I gotta say four, five, six, and seven, I really kind of enjoyed them quite a bit. Like, I, you know, I was surprised how much I enjoyed them and how much I enjoyed much older Burt Gummer because he's like 73 in the most recent one. Like he's really getting up there in the 2015 ones and on. Um, but they're pretty great. And, I wonder, and I'd be curious what, you know, any of our listeners' thoughts are, like, is Tremors, like, like one of the most diverse franchises in horror? For, for good and bad. I, you know, I mean, like, just having people of color in movies isn't necessarily good if, like, they're just the only ones killed. Hello, Tremors 2 Aftershocks. Like, you know, like, sometimes there's negative aspects of, like, you know, having a diverse cast in, in that sense if, if they're just the victims. Um, and like, there's sort of like, you know, iffy stuff, like, um, 
a lot of the newer ones like 2015 on are like them going to all of these other places like tremors five bloodlines goes to south africa so there's a lot of like black characters in it um and then the seventh one they're like in um gosh i forget exactly where it is but they're basically like on an island with a lot of indigenous people on it and so it very much can sort of feel like the white saviors coming to save these like people of color kind of thing so it's it's not the best representation in that way but it was very like surprising to see so many characters of color especially considering that like when i think of the when i originally thought of the tremor strange i thought of like all these white characters specifically like kevin bacon and fred ward in the first one and then like burt gummer and fred ward in the second and then burt gummer from then on after basically um but sometimes they do a really good job with it like in the fourth one which is the prequel very specific i think it was a very pointed decision because in the second one they go to mexico and it's it's only mexican people mexican characters that are killed in the fourth one only white people are killed and minority characters outnumber white characters and all of them survive so i think that was like a very pointed decision to do in the fourth one because they recognized how like awful <laughs> it probably looked in the second one um so I, this is my very long-winded discussion on the Tremors franchise, which we are not drafting today. <laughs> we are drafting the Child's Play franchise. But anyway, it was just... I had a lot of fun going back and watching all of them. Um, and when we were talking about how you were saying, like, you'd be happy to put on pretty much any of the Child's Play films, I would say that I would, too, for pretty much all of the Tremors films, except for three. I, I would have said that the Tremors franchise would have fallen in that category, too, if it wasn't for three being unfortunately i think the the worst of the franchise and the one i really would be like yeah i don't i don't need to watch that one again <laughs> right right <laughs> but all the rest of them i think are are fun and pretty darn good even even if they have their their faults um so yeah it was fun going through and, and watching the tremors franchise and and i would recommend it to folks awesome i actually have not seen much of that franchise at all so i i i would be one of those folks to take Take your advice here. I should, uh, I should further explore that. Series. Yeah, I mean, look, none of, none of them are anywhere near as good as the first. The first one is a perfect movie. It is phenomenal uh, and is amazing. And none of the others will come close to topping it. Uh, but they are a lot of fun. Uh, if you want some fun, like creature feature type movies, and the when they get to twenty fifteen and on, they sort of change the, um, by the evolution of the creatures because they're exploring these other areas in the world. And so the idea is sort of like that they've evolved differently. Like it's not, so they have like an exoskeleton armor for the really big ones and the um, snake style tentacles that come out of their mouth can now detach. And they also like have like more teeth and everything. So they can really like mess you up a bit more. Um, and then the quote unquote ass blasters, which I, I still hate the, them calling the flying ones that, in the newer films, like those ones are much more terrifying. And it's basically just like a circle of like swirling teeth on the, oh, <laughs> on like for their mouth. So they're like far more uh, scary. Uh, and uh, anyway, so yeah, like the, they do like some fun stuff messing with like the evolution of the, um, of the uh, tremors and the life cycle of the tremors. Cause for anyone who doesn't know, they go from the giant like underground worms, which is the, the graboids to the shriekers, which are like the two-footed ones who don't, they only see by heat. And then they go to the, the ass blasters, which are the flying ones, which again are the <laughs> lamest name for them ever. But again, it came from the third movie and the third movie is 
you know, the worst. So anyway, (laughs) (laughs) that's my, that's my rundown of the Tremors franchise, which is, which is fun. And I would, I think people would, would probably enjoy if they checked it out. But anyway, enough about all that. I think it's time. We've talked a lot uh, to get actually into the meat of this podcast, which is the draft. Uh, Before we began the recording, we rolled our four-sided die to see what the order would be. Nick is going first. And, of course, we do a serpentine-style draft. There you go, Mr. Bronsdorf. I changed it from snake to serpentine. So Nick will pick first in the first round, but he will not pick again until last in the second round. And that's because when I go last in the first round, I get to do a back-to-back and go first in the second round. So without further ado, Nick, you have the first pick of the first round of the Child's Play franchise. Okay. Um, I was just going to grab a pen because I need to be able to cross these out. Um, but oh, do you want this one? Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I'll be able. Oh, here's one. I actually do have one. Great, excellent. Okay, not uh, all right. So, I mean, I think I can remember eight movies, but we'll 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 see. Uh, yeah, yeah. So first choice, um, uh, is Child's Play, 1988. Um, mm-hmm. uh, not much to say. It is, I think, um. I mean, it's a genuinely good kind of slasher film, um, and oh, it's yeah. it's a, you know it's got a level of originality I think that even in the late '80s was kind of sorely lacking from that genre. They they did something with it which was kind of clever and different, um, and um, yeah, and like I think that the doll effects were were good for the time. I mean, I, I'm still they still they've aged pretty well, um, mm-hmm. and. Uh, yeah, I have not much to say about it. It's the first one. I don't, you know, it's again, I think this franchise is like very consistently good. And even picking the first one, I just feel like almost feel like I just have to pick the first one because it's the first one. I almost like, I don't yeah. know necessarily that that's the first one that I would watch if someone asked me to pick up a child's play movie. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but it's great. And it's a, yeah, it's a classic. It spawned the whole series. So um, yet another, uh, instance of the first movie in the franchise being picked first for us but yeah yeah which i mean to be fair has only happened with the i guess halloween has it only okay yeah okay good yeah which i mean granted the only other franchise we drafted was friday the 13th so i mean i guess of the three franchises two of them have been the first but uh but i mean with halloween i mean jesus yeah what other one is the number one but you know that's true and i would i would agree actually with child's play i think the first one i'm 100 percent with you is is the best of the franchise it's the most original it is really doing some like like you mentioned exciting things and i think this will tie into what my first pick will be i think it is truly the most scary of the franchise and particularly because they're dealing with a young child Mm, yeah you know i i think as the series goes on chucky's main person that he terrorizes tends to get older whether they are literally adults or they're like teens or they're middle schoolers or whatever but you get more of a level of agency as you get older but when you're dealing with like a six seven year old kid or whatever andy's supposed to be the ability that chucky has to like manipulate him feels so much more real and so much more scary and so with the first film and with what my pick will be 
also in the first round, which is going to be Child's Play 2. Um, those two, I think, are the best in the franchise specifically because you're dealing with a young kid who is more impressionable, who can't defend himself as well as even like a middle schooler or especially not like a teenager, like a high schooler can. Um, and is just more easily manipulated by, you know, a serial killer who is highly manipulative, even of adults. So I think there's a level of scares in um, the first two films that aren't there in the others just by, based on the fact that we're dealing with Andy in those movies who is a child. And that's one of the reasons that those two are like top of my list easily. Yeah, that's a really good, that's a terrific point. Um, one thing I was I was recently revisiting this review of um, the Halloween franchise um, that I, I go to time time and again um, when I'm just like in the mood for a Halloween movie. I they mm-hmm. reviewed every single one um, at the time. I think there was only six. I don't think H two O had come out yet, but they're all great reviews. So I uh, I look at that and and he, this reviewer hate hated 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 five and six. Uh, sorry, four and five. And six, but um, specifically four and five because, um, in addition to them just obviously not being very well-made movies, he found yeah. the premise of Michael Myers stalking a child to be like very offensive. And I'm not saying I agree with that, mm. but um, he, I think he found it exploitative and kind of just like you know, whatever. Um, I, 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 I see where he's coming from. I don't necessarily agree, but in Child's Play, I think they they did this in a really clever way where um, yes, it's a, an adult killer who's stalking a child, but he's in the guise of a doll who is physically the same size as the kid um, or smaller. And like is in some ways like just visibly less threatening. Um, Mm -hmm. And in a weird sort of backwards way that actually almost makes the whole thing a little bit more frightening. Um, Yes. That, uh, you know, yeah, it does. It feels less exploitative in that way. I can see that. Um, but also, yeah, and then it's like this weird sort of twisted way. The just his size and like in proportion to like how threatening he is. It's just I don't know. It works really well, and I think that's the big twist that I think they did so well in um, in this movie. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a slasher movie, um, and yeah. there's you know the the one sort of wrinkle that they added to the formula was that it's a doll. So they have like, you know, great effects work and stuff and that's cool and novel on its own. But also mm-hmm. there is that element that like, okay, um, it's not a bunch of teenagers that this guy's stalking. It's a doll in a small form factor stalking a kid of the same size. And I don't know like that. It just, it's totally different and it works really well. Um, and you're right. One and two, obviously are the only ones that really play on that. Um, so yeah, yeah, and it's very similar to what you're saying. He's not just the same. It's it's he's the same size, which is scary, but he also is embodying something that should be a source of comfort for a child. Exactly. Yes. You know the good guy doll, which is based on the um, oh god, it was based on a specific type of doll that was like a hit in the eighties. Cabbage I'm Patch. Blanking on it. Well, because well, it looks Don little- Mancini. Yeah, Don Glancini got the idea for, like, people want, you know, not being able to get enough of the good guy doll based on the Cabbage Patch doll. But it was sort of um, based on another doll that was specifically for boys, though. 
but for like that young boy market. And I forget what it was called. It wasn't, it was maybe like my buddy. Yeah, yeah I forget what it is exactly. But anyway, so yeah, it's it, he is embodying this like thing that should be this source of comfort for a child and is this source of, you know, um, uh, like um, something that could, you know, kill that child, you know? So there's, a, there's that like underlying, you know, other level to it as well. Um, and that's like, you know, it's, it's really playing on this thing that I think all kids can identify with, which is like, you know, the sort of, I don't know if it's a wish or like the fantasy that your toys will come to life. I mean, and like that's mm-hmm. yeah, all your toys have a personality and they have names. And like, of course, I think every kid probably goes through a stage where they're like, oh yeah, my, my toys are alive or I wish they were alive or whatever. And this kind of flips yep. that on his head and makes it a horrific story about that um and i mean obviously like toy story based an entire series on it and and it's like incredible series full of like whimsy and all this stuff and like i identify with mm-hmm. andy because you know he's he's i mean toy story 3 is heartbreaking because he's saying goodbye to these toys that he grew up with child's play like totally turns all of that on its head and it does it so effectively because um yes yeah again like you said it's uh it's a source of comfort or it should be um mm-hmm. and it's like the one and I, it's been a while since I saw the first one, but it's he's she's a single mother, right? Yes. Yeah. And so like he's got this sort of, I guess like absence in his life, um, and mm-hmm. like fills it a little bit with this Chucky doll that he, you know, and it just turns on him, and it's just yeah, it's it's definitely the scariest, like you said, and I think obviously that the franchise gets kind of silly and fun, and this one takes itself the most seriously of them all. Yes. And I think it does a good job of walking that line of like taking itself seriously, but also recognizing that like the premise in itself is utterly ridiculous. Um, yes. And it handles that sort of dichotomy in a good way. Yeah. They, they handle all these people not believing what's going on in a very logical way, even though it understands how ridiculous the premise is and everything plays out in a very believable way as well. You know, the mom coming to believe um, uh, uh, Andy and then like trying to hunt down like what went on and, and finding out that it was Charles Lee Ray who would have embodied the the uh, doll and everything. It all plays out in ways that don't seem ludicrous or unbelievable considering what the premise of the movie is. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, speaking of ludicrous, I guess that, you know, the one thing about the first film that is really not aged very well is the fact that that Charles Lee Ray is in this body because of voodoo. And and the scene where he goes to, and I uh, apologize, I forget the name of the the character, like the one black character in the movie, who is this person who taught him the spell that allows him to put himself in the body of uh, somebody else, not just in a doll, but he just chose the doll, uh, is maybe a bit problematic (laughs) looking back now. It's probably like the one scene in the entirety of the series that has aged the worst and and doesn't play very well um but that being said it's not nearly as problematic as so many other horror movies can be especially dealing with black characters right right that is true yeah it's been the longest since i've seen the first one to be honest so i honestly forgot about that scene um yeah yeah i mean yeah it's not great yeah (laughs) i mean if if you watch it again you'll you'll see but yeah um but that being said, I 100% agree with you. The first one would have been my choice as well. 
And one thing I really like about Child's Play 2 and why that's like my next pick at the end of the first round here is because it feels to me like a, just a direct continuation of the first film, which it very much is. Like story-wise, it is very much a direct continuation. Um, and, you know, we see after um, the first film that his mom is in a mental institution, which we discussed earlier. And so he's in his foster care situation. He has a foster sister who is a teenager. So this is where we start to get a little bit of that, like kind of chucky terrorizing older kids you know teens area which will kind of develop further on after we uh move out of the second film but it's still andy as the primary um character that needs to be protected um because they're still following the premise that like chucky needs to inhabit in order to get out of the doll he has to inhabit andy and if he doesn't do that he's going to be stuck in the doll body um forever uh which is pretty much like the one thing from the lore of this series which i was actually no wait a minute i was gonna say it's like the one thing that like doesn't hold true but i was like no it does hold true and in the and in the third film it's not that he wants to inhabit andy no wait because in the third film he tries to inhabit that tyler i think yeah tyler yeah yeah so i think that's like the one thing if we're talking about the lore of this series that isn't very consistent yeah it's it's how he can inhabit somebody else and who he needs to but once you get to bride of chucky he's just like whatever i'm in this doll body i don't care i'm just gonna terrorize people pretty much right there's not a lot of trying to you know inhabit other people until we as we'll see later obviously as we get into like something like cult which then he's just using his ability to wreak as much havoc as possible, basically. Right, right, right. I actually forgot. Is there? Yeah. Do they explain why it has to be Andy? I, it's been again. It's been a while since I saw the first one. Yeah. So in that scene with the one black character who had showed him how to do it, he's like, Chucky goes there because he's like, "How do I get out of this body?" And the guy says, "Like, well, the only way to get out of the body is you have to put your soul into um, the body of the first person you okay. told." Yeah. Right. So that's why he's so fixated on Andy. Right. Um, you know, at the beginning, he's just sort of using him to get around the city, like having him skip school and hop on the L train to go kill his like partner that who left him to die, basically, right. um, in the department store and all of that. But then it's like, oh, okay, great. I'm going to be a six-year-old boy again. Right. Like he literally like, laughs after that. He's like, I'm going to be a six-year-old boy or something like that. But that goes away. Yeah. Like that. That that disappears after like the first three films and it's like really never explored again. Yeah. It's interesting because they keep Andy a central character in the series. Um, but yeah, they kind yes. of do do away with that, that part. Um, but in the third one, I love, and, and honestly going on for the rest of the movies, it's a lot of like, he's, he's fixated on Andy because Andy's like the one he couldn't kill. Right. Right. And he's like, no, I'm just here for revenge. Like, yeah, I came to this military Academy just to try to kill you because you wouldn't, you know, because you're the, I couldn't get into your body and you messed everything up for me. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's like the central theme of uh, curse also, which I thought was yes. actually really compelling. Um, yeah. It's fun. I was just thinking it's funny because before we recorded um, earlier this week, we were talking and, and you said like, I, there's a, theme like a common theme in one and two that i think make them so strong which i i'm guessing that was that what you just said 
the kid. Yeah, that 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 he's a child, yeah. and so it's it's scarier because he can be more easily manipulated, and because he doesn't have as much agency and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, totally. No, and that's a great point. My my thing between one and two being because I think I I had two as my second choice as well. Um, is much shallower, and it's just that okay. um the the final acts in both one and two are just like the ending that never ends, and I think mm. lots of horror films do that but none as well or as like just um incessantly i guess as child's play one and two i mean those are yeah and like and they never feel cheap or anything because again he's a doll so like who knows like mm-hmm. what what it takes to kill a doll it's absurd so it's like it's exactly. fun just how to what lengths they go um in the climax mm-hmm. of both the first and second movie to, to kill Chucky. It just, it, it never ends. And the second one, just the ending in the, in the, like, of course it's just, it goes back to the ending in the toy factory, which is just, it's so obvious, but it's also so clever um, to yes. have an ending where like, there's like, you know, thousands and thousands of Chucky's essentially. And it's a needle in the haystack. Mm-hmm. Like which one is which it's just, it's, it's very clever. Um, it's stupid and obvious, but also really clever. And they do it, I think really well and um yeah and it's but it's creative they're using like every aspect of that factory right they do uh, you know and, and finding ways to explore every element whether it's running among the like thousands of dolls that are all packaged up and it's like uh, like you know you're worried that you're gonna come around a corner and see the the chucky <laughs> or it's like going on the conveyor belt and like dodging like the eyeballs being punctured into <laughs> your own eyeballs kind of thing, right? So yeah, like they, they're very creative with that factory scene though, which is which is fun. Yeah, yeah, no, they are, they are. I, I and well, we'll get to the other ones. Sorry, I was just thinking because I, I most recently watched three um, to refresh my memory. And one thing that two yeah. does that three also does is that it really does it picks up with like the recreation of Chucky, like the opening yes. montage of how chucky is reconstructed in every case because he's been so thoroughly destroyed at the end of both yes. one and two um which I, I get a kick out of every time yes no and the, and and i guess that is like the one other piece of the lore where it's like it's not a hundred percent sealed like what it's not firm how he does or doesn't come back because you know in the first one it's like they have to shoot him through the heart because he's become human enough in the doll that you can actually kill him by shooting him through the heart. Right. But then he comes back in the second one because they've like, and they just like take apart the doll and like rebuild it from scratch. Basically <laughs> take it down to the metal, you know, skeleton. So I don't know how he still survives. I don't know how putting a new rubber on it makes him come alive again. Right. <laughs> and then in the third one, I don't know why like those clumps of hardened rubber that he got, you know, melted into like taking that and I guess they remelted it right and then something with his like the blood is in that big vat yeah, and the of blood and like it yeah, the blood in, so... dripped into the vat. <laughs> That's all it yeah, takes. so again i i don't know how he comes back to life because of that either though i guess those are the other areas of the lore that are kind of a little iffy but otherwise it's like whatever like i'm not thinking too hard about how chucky comes back you yeah know? that's the beauty of the series is like again the premise is so ridiculous that like i don't mm-hmm. there's i have no problem accepting that um it's easy to look yes. past like it's not even a matter of suspending my disbelief because if i've gotten to the entry three in this franchise i've suspended my disbelief like at the beginning of the first one so like i'm all in um yes exactly i'm 100 percent with you 
and speaking of ridiculous entries in this franchise, yes. uh, my first pick of the second round in my back-to-back Serpentines draft here is going to be Bride of Chucky, the fourth film in the franchise. Nice. Um, so one through three played out exactly as I would have listed it myself. The first one, the second one, and then Bride of Chucky. Um, those three, I think, are like the definitive one, two, three of the franchise. And then beyond that, like we were kind of talking about in the beginning, I could really have moved a lot of things around pretty much wherever on here because I think they're all pretty close to, you know, each other. You know, I the one I have as my last one, I think, is my definitive last one. But a lot of the other ones from four through seven, could I could really have just, like, moved those puzzle pieces around into different you know numbers and and would be happy where they are but these i think are the definitive one two three and this is because bride is very much like the rebirth of the franchise it has the three original installations which i forget what studio did them like united artists i think or mgm or something that sounds right i don't remember i have to look that up yeah i don't remember i want to say it was like united artists i guess i should look this up why am i just being dumb here um but uh and then bride of Truckee is the first installment when universal buys it so universal buys it so they can't use child's play but they get to use the um they get to use the chucky so that's why everything after that is chucky and it is mgm united artists for the the first nice, three. nice. good call good yeah remember. so good um and i think the reason that they sold off the franchise is you know and this happens with so many of these friends it happens with like friday the 13th where it's like these studios have these money makers in these horror franchises but they're considered lowbrow and they don't like them they don't like that these are like i think childhood was like the number two movie for united artists or something the year it came out or whatever wow and it was just to them it's so what i did i watched the um on shutter they have the behind the monster series oh yeah yeah so I watched the one on Child's Play as well. And I learned some very interesting things, but like specifically, I think it was that the MGM United Artists like were like, "This is a, this is like a beneath us kind." Of, you know what I mean? It's like how some people view horror, unfortunately, which is like they think of it as a lesser than genre. And so they were kind of like, oh, "I can't believe this like dumb doll horror movie is like our second biggest grocer of the year." <laughs> I guess we'll make some sequels, but then let's just like sell off this franchise. And so they sell it to Universal. And so Universal does Bride of Chucky. And uh, Bride of Chucky is, uh, I believe, Ronnie Yu. Yeah, it is. Uh, right? That was like, was that his first English film? I think he... Or his first American film? Uh, no, I think there was one before it, uh, like in 97. And I forget the name of it. Okay. I'm not 100% sure about okay. that, but I think so. All right. I'm gonna. I'm I'm taking a look right now at his thing. At his IMDb. Like a, like a family adventure? Oh, so he did... Yes, a certain family adventure that our good friend um, Matt Bronsdorf mentioned on the yes, that's why I know it, right? one, Warriors of Virtue. He did the year before. You're right, in '97. Um, so yes, he did Warriors of Virtue in '97, and then Bride of Chucky was uh, his follow up after that in '98. And Bride of Chucky takes the franchise into the uh, very 
more horror comedy direction than it had as much as there had been like funny aspects and it never took its premise very seriously you know bride of chucky is where it really goes into full horror comedy full horror meta narrative because this is a couple years after scream everybody's trying to do the very like meta narrative horror film so you know in the opening scenes you have references to you know what is that that, uh police um uh evidence locker has like freddy's glove yeah jason's Jason's mask mask, michael's chainsaw from chainsaw massacre michael's mask yes uh and then when um uh john ritter is killed it's a bunch of nails getting shot into his face and chucky's like why does that look familiar (laughs) right (laughs) you know because it's pinhead right right from the hellraiser (laughs) franchise so it's very like meta uh, a meta horror film referencing other horror films has a lot of humor in it um and is just like i would say the most fun installment of the entire franchise um and so that's why that's my second pick uh in the well my first pick of the second round but my second pick overall uh is uh is bride of chucky yeah it's a it's a, a great great pick it really is and it's the introduction of the tiffany character who's like a mainstay and also i think probably one of the most character like like popular i think aspects of the entire series at this point yes yeah you know what i i like wanted to stop talking to give you a chance to talk and then i was like how could i not have freaking mentioned tiff <laughs> and and jennifer tilly who plays her and of course the fact that that's like a whole reference to bride of uh frankenstein and blah 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 you know so uh anyway yes tiff and and Jennifer Tilly, who becomes outside of Brad Dorif, the like number one uh, recurring element of this franchise. Um, and they do some very fun things with. I love I love the fact that in Seed of Chucky, Tiffany actually does take over the body of Jennifer Tilly. And from then on in the franchise, the actress Jennifer Tilly is actually Tiff embodying Jennifer Tilly. Right. And so it becomes like a joke when people are like, you look a lot like Jennifer Tilly. Yes, I get that all the time kind of thing. Right. <laughs> but just Jennifer Tilly is just like so game to just be like, yeah, like me at like the the literal meta me character is now Tiffany inhabiting me. And, I, you know, it's like there very few actors, I think, are have that little of an ego or, like, that willing to play along with, like, their actual, um, you know, real-life aspects of themselves. Yeah. Not just the characters they play, but being a character that is you specifically in the real world and uh, having that much fun with it. So, absolutely. Uh, Jennifer Tilly uh, is fantastic uh, in this movie and in the rest of the franchise, but it's just so game to just let them let Don Mancini mess with like her yeah her real life persona and everything as well which is fun yeah it's easy to see why she became such a like popular aspect of the of the series um yeah she's like yeah she's so all in with the with the whole absurdity of the whole thing um you know and from the first frame she's in i mean in bride of chucky the whole thing is like she like embraces the absurdity you can tell right away and it's it's just fantastic mm-hmm. she does um but yeah and you're right like that's the first of the two i guess really meta entries in this in this series um uh yes the first of it and yeah like it mentions the like i'm there's some it brings in real world components like there's jokes about martha stewart and stuff um and Mm -hmm. that's it's but it's all handled very well i think ronnie you does a good job with that 
Um, yeah. Yeah. There, there are certainly ways to really ruin a movie with its um, sort of meta real world references. And I think he, he kind of, again, walks that line. It's a fine balance. And I think he doesn't go overboard. Um, it's yeah. got creative kills, uh, some good, some really good kills. The mirror, the ceiling mirrors is fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. It's got, you know, I don't know. The whole thing is, and it, it is genuinely funny. I mean, uh, everything in the RV is just ridiculous and hilarious. And like that leads right into yeah. the ending. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a great choice. I mean, it's one of the f- first, certainly of like the nineties horror movies. Cause obviously going back in time, you had like characters and um, horror movies who were at least like coded as gay uh, or some who like were out, you know, outright shown to be, but uh, one of the first like nineties horror movies to have like an out gay, gay character. character. Yeah, that's true. Um, and I, I, you know, I think that was probably a, a very, you know, pointed decision by Dan, Don Mancini, excuse me, as, as you know, the, the writer of the series. Um, and I think that's one thing where one element of the franchise where I think it does a really good job is like the LGBTQIA diversity in the franchise, certainly from Bride of Chucky on. Um, because obviously Seed of Chucky, you know, Glenn or Glenda, yeah. which is, you know, obviously it's a reference to Ed Wood, but it also is like, I mean, I can't think of, you know, outside of sleepaway camp another like trans character um you know that early in a uh horror franchise at least certainly not off the top of my head yeah um or or gender fluid um whatever the correct terminology would be to describe um glenn and glenda i don't know exactly what term they specifically use uh and then obviously the new the new tv series you have the main character is gay as well uh, and he's like bullied and stuff in his middle school. So, yeah, that's just one aspect of the um, uh, diversity in the in the series that it does a pretty good job with uh, the LGBTQ diversity. Yeah, yep, yeah. It's funny too, uh, Bride. Um, like, it's very late '90s in its soundtrack. <laughs> Um, yes. Like a lot of late '90s horror movies, it could be the soundtrack could easily be switched out with any other horror movie from that era and it would be the exact same film um yeah yeah but it feels like the first night it's funny because like when i think of the child's play franchise i think of like i think a lot of people probably think like oh yeah yeah it's like an 80s slasher franchise but only one movie was released actually in the 80s um two and three are like 90 and 91 i think um but 98 feels like the first sort of modern chucky movie in a lot of ways um and maybe that has I something to do with it. Agree. Yeah, maybe it's because Universal bought it, and it's like a different sort of, I don't know, um, production company. And there, it was sort of like a reboot in that it's like the first one to be sort of a horror comedy hybrid. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it does feel like that, and and I think, um, you know, the title has changed too to to Chucky. But like the first three are very much like a trilogy, I think, and then. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I look at Bride of Chucky and Seed of Chucky as like kind of a, a sub series as well, and then the VOD ones are another series. I don't know. There's like little pockets of, and I think this is like the first modern Chucky film. Oh yeah, I 100 percent agree with you. And I think from this, you see why Ronnie, you got Freddy versus Jason. Yeah. Um, again, another horror movie that is soundtrack is very much <laughs> of its early 2000s time, yeah. like it's 03, you know, time. Uh, very new metal uh, in its in its soundtrack, and this is very late '90s 
uh, in its soundtrack. Yeah. So, yes, I agree. I know. And like looking back at this now, because I hadn't seen Bride of Chucky since probably 99 or 2000, like when it first came out on video. Um, so before Freddy vs. Jason came out. And it's, I, I know it's obviously not the case at all, but it's just so hard to like see the opening shots of Bride of Chucky and be like, is this not Ronnie Yu just auditioning for like Freddy vs. Jason by throwing in all these <laughs> yeah. references to every horror character under the sun? Um exactly but yeah that's just like like you said that was like the flavor of the day with all horror movies at the time um yeah they had they had to re get into that meta you know aspect and, and get all silly after screen. yeah totally yeah totally um which and then we saw it with jason x like didn't weren't they like rewriting that constantly like even like on set oh prop yeah you know like yeah that's i don't know that's that is one of the products of that era that is like, and it again is very hit or miss. And it, and it's, it works with Chucky because the whole thing is so absurd. Again, like the whole police department in Bride of Chucky is like, this is the string of murders. This isn't the town. This has never happened. And yet in their evidence locker is like eight serial killers, like all this stuff yeah. from, yeah, it's, I don't know. Well, I guess technically that's a different town's evidence locker. Oh, that's true. She right. Does... Or maybe because... Because he, he picks it up and then drives it You're to right. her. But I don't... Is he from that? I don't think he's from the same police department as John Ritter is, Yeah, right? you're right. He's that like a different... Be, that's unclear. Yeah. I think he is different. Oh, gosh. It's been a long... Because they, they do show, I think, like a sign of what town they're in. But I, you know what? Maybe maybe I'm not right there. I don't know. It's been a little long. I don't remember exactly what town that one is. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. I just... I Yeah. I love that there's like... I just love that all of these, these films try to reference other horror movies, but yet these horror movies that take place in different areas of the country, somehow one police station <laughs> would have all of their like, <laughs> you know, weapons and stuff. In right. Them. You know, Halloween's in Illinois, nightmare is in Ohio, uh, Friday is in New Jersey and chainsaws in Texas. And yet this one police department has all of their weapons and stuff, which is just like, I get that you're like, you want to have them in there as like the jokes for the fans and everything, but it does not make any sense. Yeah, no, it doesn't. It's... Anyway, so yeah. Anyway, I, I'm very curious, yeah. Nick, where you're going to go with the next pick because yeah, like I said, those three were I think are like the definitive top three of the franchise, and then after this, it's like who knows. But you've got back to back picks: the last pick of the second round and the first pick of the third. Here. Oh man, okay, that's right. Um, actually, that's great. I'm glad that they're back to back because that um, I struggled with these middle ones like we were talking about, and I easily could have. It's not even like a matter of going with my heart and picking another one. Like I really, they're like ask me on a different day, and it might have been a different answer. But since I have back to back picks, um, and because it's the way that I actually wrote them down on my list today, uh, I'm going with Curse and Cult, which is like a nice, uh, yeah, sort of double because I don't know. Again, that's like a sub. That's the two VOD ones. Um, that was sort of the revival of the franchise ten years later, uh, after Seed of mm-hmm. Chucky and. It's really like Curse of Chucky, I think. They both actually got like generally really good press, critical press. I mean, critical yeah. press in like the horror community at least. Um and I think uh part of why they were like so welcome for fans was that Curse was really a return to horror. Um mm-hmm. not straight horror. I mean, no matter what, when you have the Chucky character, you can't I mean, it's just again this it's ridiculous premise it's absurd it's silly you can't look at the killer doll and not um find some humor in that but uh 
just like curse is very dark uh kind of like the first it's a return to the roots of the series um in a lot of ways i mean it feels like a reboot but it is still a continuation like it picks up from i think it handles that really well like it's 10 years later they could have easily just like started this franchise over and they kind of Mm -hmm. do tonally but also in terms of its like overarching plot it really does it's just a natural continuation from seed of chucky in some ways um yeah so and this like curse was the one where i was thinking like because they don't reveal how he has survived in any way and is back again for, if I'm remembering, really quite a while into Curse. Like, it's a it's a bit into it before you're like, oh, the, you peel off the, right? They peel off the face and then you see the scarred versions from, like, Bride and, and Seed, yeah, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. So I was just like, how did he get into a new doll? Right. Like, how did this happen? And then when they peel it off, I was like, oh, of course, like he's not a new yeah. doll so yeah i was like oh yeah you're right it's like a perfect continuation yeah i didn't even think about that um but you're yeah like at the uh the end of seed i mean another case where he's been literally torn into pieces but i i don't i'm not going to question how he was put back together but yes it is the same version of the doll with his face stitched back together um yeah and yet i mean that's a great reveal the one problem i have with curse and it's not even really um i i don't I can't take issue with it, but the backstory of Charles Lee Ray kind of being obsessed with um, Fiona Doris, like mother is weird Mm -hmm. because I think up until that point in the series, I mean, he was like, what I forget what his nickname is. Something Strangler. Um, Yeah. Something Strangler. uh, And there was no indication that like, it's weird because he comes off as more insane. Like, obviously he's insane because he's a serial killer. But um, this is mm-hmm. the first time in the series where I, I, I get the sense that he's, like, I get, he becomes so obsessed with this family that he, like, kidnaps her and, like, chains her up in his basement and is, like, the whole gullibility thing where he's, like, believes that she's, you know, potentially falling in love with him and then he feels so betrayed mm-hmm. when she calls the police. I mean, that part was a little bit... It, just, like, it's a revelation about that character that might not be needed and also didn't it kind of felt like out of left field a little bit like until then i just kind of thought he was kind of a he was a strangler and he was a criminal and you know chucky as his personality is what it is so to like reveal that actually the soul is from this guy who was kind of a weirdly obsessive in this way and and gullible and i don't know that that kind of felt a little out of character but um that's such a small part of the movie that it doesn't matter or really bother me at all yeah, and I would say, so w- w- I would actually, I-, I agree. I think these are great back-to-back picks, and I think if you're going back-to-back picking these two, which are kind of their own little mini-series in the series, is is is, is a good way. I would have put Cult just slightly above it, primarily because of this aspect of it. This is like one of the few times, I think, where they go into like the history where it is just a little bit like, uh, yeah, it does, it doesn't work as well as some of the other ones. Also, I think some of the acting in this outside of Fiona Dorif is a little wooden at times. And the writing isn't as strong as Cult. For as much as, like, Cult is a bit over the top and ridiculous in its own regard, like, it just is, like, it knows it's, like, silly and the premise is a little ridiculous. And, you know, I have no idea what sort of mental institution exists like this that is just, like, all white and pristine and has a woman who's in that sort of like old school nursing getup who's like at the front desk and everything like i watched cults and I was like 
that's ridiculous. But like, it knows how kind of ridiculous it is, and it's having fun yeah. with it. So I would slightly put Cult above it for the history making you mentioned, and just some of the acting and and writing is a little a little stiff for me and in curse. Yeah, that's a good point. And probably I would have put it in the other order too had I seen Cult more recently. But that was actually it's been a while since I saw Cult, and I just watched Curse for the first time, so it's fresher in my mind. Yeah. Um, Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, like they're like you said, they're like it's it's its own little pocket of the franchise. It's its own miniseries, kind of. And Fiona yeah. Dorif is a great; she's great, and it's great that she is oh, yeah. in it in the capacity that she is, like that she's playing a character unre- sort of unrelated to, but uh, you know, to to Brad's character, but also she's in the franchise that he's like, and he very much defines that that franchise for me. Yeah. Which is one of the things that oh, I'm sure absolutely. we'll talk about when we talk about the remake. But um like yeah, he is he is Chucky as far as I'm concerned, and like having Fiona in it is very cool. And her performance is really good. I was yeah. like actually struck by her yeah. performance in Curse. Like she a, She's a great yeah. actress. Like just straight up. And I think she's the best actor in Curse and Cult. Although, you know, Jennifer Tilly's plays a bit of a role True. in, in, in uh, both of them, really. Cult as well. And 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 they're both great, yeah. Um, but I wouldn't like Fiona Dorof was like a revelation to me when I watched those two. I, I had no idea he had a daughter who was an me actor neither. and, and she was just fantastic in, in both of them. And I thought she was yeah. great. Yeah. And I do like at the end of the first, uh, of curse is that it mirrors the first one child's play where she ends up going and being committed because right. like no one believes her that it was the doll the whole yeah, time. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and speaking of Brad Dorf, since we were on it, I, I have to mention when I watched that um, Behind the Monsters series uh, on the Child's Play franchise. So I have this idea of like what Brad Dorf looks like from Child's Play, from like the Halloween, the Rob Zombie Halloween movies, and everything. But you know, mostly like you hear his voice in the Chucky franchise. Right. So I'm watching it, and I'm like, okay, because he's he's much older now, and there's this like white haired dude, all white with a white beard, and I'm like. Okay, who's this guy? Is he like a producer or something? Because his regular speaking voice isn't like the Chucky no, voice. Yeah. So he's talking. I'm like, okay, was this guy a producer? Because he's just talking about the franchise as a yeah. whole. And then I'm like, it says Brad Dorif. And I was like, oh, man. He looks so different than what he looked like back in the oh, day. Yeah. As he's gotten into this like older uh, you know, phase of his life. I was so thrown. I had no idea it was him. He he looked very unrecognizable to me. Yeah, he's like he's like, I think um, the most compelling character for me on Deadwood, which uh, I'll admit I never I didn't finish that whole series. I kind of fell out of it after a few seasons, but um, I didn't either. But he's great in it. Like he's fantastic. I think his character and his performance is amazing. But I can't watch Deadwood without thinking about Ch- even though the voice is obviously different. Oh, yeah. It's still hard for me to like take him in a serious role um he's the doctor yeah right? he's like the doctor he's the doctor in the town. In the yeah town. okay um and he's got like a great he's i don't know he's like the one genuinely like morally good character i think in the whole series um and that was one of the problems i had with i i love deadwood i think it's an incredible show i just couldn't finish it because it was like it's one of those few shows where like i found none of the characters likable with the exception of brad oh, sure. and i know that's the point and that's great and they handle it well um and i never thought i would be a person to say this but like it was just after a while it was like too much i was like i need someone to root for and i don't have that and I, i'm just like there's other things i gotta watch but yeah, could not take it seriously anyway because like it's just Chucky. He's always gonna be Chucky. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, I, I agree. I, I didn't finish Deadwood either. And it's been years now, but from what I remember, yeah, no one was particularly likable in that series. Yeah. Oh, it's all great performances across the board, but that doesn't mean the characters are identifiable to me. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, we've talked mostly about Curse, man. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the the cult of Chucky uh, as well. Um, yeah, I don't have much to add on cult because it's again, it's been longer since I saw it. But that was the first of the two VOD movies that I saw, I, and I recognized mm-hmm. I saw them out of order. I knew I obviously knew what order they came out in, but it's just like I had an opportunity to see Cult because I think it was streaming on Netflix at the time, and I think Curse had left at that point. Um, oh sure, and uh, and I had like a pocket of time, and I was like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna revisit this. It's been a while since I've seen a child's play movie, and I'm very curious what the quality is because I knew Don Mancini was directing it, and I was like, that's a good sign. Um, yeah. But uh, the VOD stink, like you said, it was just like a concern. So I think what struck me about Cult was again just the quality of them. It's 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 obviously, I mean, it feels like a VOD movie in some ways. Like it doesn't feel like an expensive sure. production, but. Um, but, I mean, everyone clearly showed up for that. I mean, like it's it's, it's oh yeah, the, it's it's got. I don't know. It's just well made. I mean, I think again, Don Mancini's involvement like speaks to that. I think that he that says everything about that movie and why it's as good as it is. Um, but it is still shocking seeing the seventh entry in a franchise be that good and have that many new ideas mm-hmm. brought to the table. I mean, it really does bring a lot to that. I mean, Curse of Chucky was like a nice return to form, um, kind of, for, and like mm-hmm. return to horror. But I think Cult of Chucky um, is like the most original in a long time in terms of like what it's doing that's new to this, like, again, seven entry franchise. And it's like still introducing new ideas. Um, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, the. So I will say so i haven't watched these until recently when we decided to do this and beyond the vod aspect of it and that being like you know what's that going to mean for the franchise the title cult of chucky i was like because every other franchise when they've gotten into like cult aspects of the characters are like the worst but really this isn't even a cult it's just Chucky found a way to break his soul up so that he could be in multiple vessels at one time. So it's not really a call. And so I would actually say that the title kind of works against it in my mind, because not knowing anything about it, the title cult of Chucky was a real turnoff just based on the history of cults and how they're involved in some of the other franchises. So I was like really shocked about how much I liked not just these two, but cult as well as curse um, because it went into new inventive areas and did like really interesting things with the character we haven't seen before. And then it had a lot of fun with it. Like the comedy and humor came in when they're like making fun of the one Chucky doll who has a messed up haircut right. and everything <laughs> and stuff. So, and it allowed them to like, <clears throat> play into this uh you know aspect obviously there's a lot of people in this facility who have mental health issues and where you know so much of this franchise is people not believing people when they tell them about this but you know there's this element of well who do you believe in a mental facility and if you have one of the if you've 
got one doll and it like is in like I don't know someone's office or whatever you're like no that doll was in the office the whole time what are you talking about but it's like another doll or whatever that comes in and does the killing so it plays with that aspect of it as well which is uh interesting yeah it's a really good point yeah um and your point about the title is 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 well taken too i hadn't really considered that but i guess that's true you're absolutely right. i mean like halloween six i mean as soon as it gets into cult territory yeah. you're going downhill but it, somehow you're seven entries into this series and it's like actually it's introducing these new ideas and it's doing it in like a cool novel way and um it doesn't feel like cheap mm-hmm. or forced it's just like a natural evolution of where this franchise is gonna go and um yeah yeah, uh, genuinely surprising that Curse and Cult are as good as they are, to be honest. Yeah, agreed. And we should say, so Don Mancini directed both of them, and he directed um, Seed of Chucky, the, the movie before that. So he has directed the last three films of the franchise. So the man who wrote them all has directed the last three and obviously is the main creative force behind the TV show that's on now as well. Right. Uh, yeah, okay. Next. So, my for my final pick of the third round, I'm going to keep it in the Don Mancini arena, and I'm going to take Child's Play 3, which I know in the original trilogy is the one that most people, not only is the their least favorite, but that they literally don't like. Um, it is my least favorite of the first three as well, but I never disliked it as much as other people did um i do think it kind of loses something when he is a teenager now and it's no longer him as a it's no longer andy as a child um you know they they basically jump forward in time he's at a military academy he's now a teenager uh his mom i believe is still institutionalized i i I, and you know he's bounced around from foster care to foster um care home and everything um and so he is, you know, they're dealing with, again, I guess, being bullied <laughs> by, like, the a-hole, like, uh, other kids there. And, you know, it's not nearly as good as those first two, but I still enjoy it quite a bit. And I, speaking of the first two having these, like, climactic, like, finales in, like, these you know that that don't end uh this one has one that's very much in like a theme park uh so it it still kind of ties and follows that same formula um but you know i get why people don't like it nearly as much as the first two because i don't either but i i never disliked it or actively disliked it as others did um i don't have a ton of like super like positive things to say (laughs) about it (laughs) but i don't like actively dislike it i would have had obviously cult and curse of chucky ahead of this one as well um but you know we're getting to the to the last few picks here of the of the franchise uh i speaking of the consistency of the franchise it's still i would so much rather watch like child's play 3 over like any number of other you know movies and some of these franchises uh, that i think are just generally you know a lot worse than this one um i think it's a solid like you know it's a solid outfield single you know it's it's not you know maybe it doesn't knock in a rbi it's it's not a multi uh a multi-bag hit you know a, a multi-base hit but it's it's a solid single you know that's that's how i would describe child's play through i totally agree uh 
which I never thought I'd say at this time last week, because my memory of three, um, I think I saw it once in high school when I first watched, I guess the first four, because I, um, mm-hmm. which until recently were the only four full films I'd seen. And then I saw cult a couple of years ago, but anyway, when I first saw three, I honestly revisiting it now, I feel like I must've watched a completely different movie in high school. I hated it. Like I hated it. It was so, yeah. i I don't know what it was, and I, I, like, my memory of it is completely gone. I don't remember why I hated it, but I had such a strong feeling, like, up until last week about why I hate, how much I hated it, that I was really not looking forward to revisiting it, but I felt like, we're doing this podcast, I owe it to myself to, like, kind of watch it again, um, and I watched it again last night, and I was like, even up until the point I hit play, I was like, this is, I don't, I'm not, I don't know what I'm doing, like, this is a waste of 90 minutes, but I was so surprised at how much I enjoyed it, um, I have, again, I have no idea what movie I watched when I was in high school or what it was or that, like, but I think it speaks to, maybe, I don't know, again, like, maybe something was going on in my life in high school at the time that for some reason made me hate military academies or hate, like, I don't know what it was. I have no idea, (laughs) but there's no reason to hate that movie. It's, again, a completely slickly made movie. Like, it it is made way better than it has any right to be. Um, The production Mm -hmm. values are high. Um the and and it there's just there's nothing bad about it i don't think it's just not yeah overly good in any way but like um yeah i i really i didn't find anything to genuinely fault in it there was no single performance or like plot point or anything that i felt was and in fact it really does one thing really well that i think this franchise does overall um you know that most slasher franchises do not i mean jason with the exception of Jason X, it's killing people at a campground. Halloween, you're in Haddonfield mm-hmm. every time. And it's like this, the location gets stale after a while in a lot of these things. Child's Play, even though it's yes. not that big of a departure, at least every installment, I think, does something very different. I mean, this one is entirely on a military, like in a military academy. And I think it plays with that well. Like the entire mm-hmm. climax being like during this like war drill um and then moving into this amusement park it's like it's a very distinct location um bride of chucky is like a road movie and then seat of chucky is like in hollywood it's they do this thing where every entry is like geographically different enough that it it brings something new to the table and um for whatever reason again in high school when i first saw this i think it was a turnoff that it was like such a that it was at this confined school i don't know what it was about it that bothered me at the time um mm-hmm. but there was something about that that really like was a turnoff but revisiting it last night i found a lot to like about that and what they were able to do yeah. um with that location um yeah and i will say i'm, I'm glad that you revisited because i remember when we discussed doing this the one thing you were like you're like the one thing I remember is I hated Child's Play three, so I'm glad you revisited and actually like enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, the other thing I will say that I think this movie introduces is Chucky as like an agent of chaos mm. in a way where like when he switches out the um, blank rounds for the li- or the I'm sorry the the paintball rounds for the yeah. live rounds, and so when they actually are doing the war game, it's a bunch of them like shooting right. each other um, because. You know, usually in, in one and two, he's primarily terrorizing an individual at a time. You know, whether that's like he's killing the teacher 
in the classroom in two or he's killing the foster dad in the basement you know and making it look like it was andy that like did something to him you know it's it's like a one-on-one type of thing here he's just starting to terrorize a group of people which is something we'll see him do more and more as the franchise progresses beyond that especially cult i think cult is where you know he's embodying so many of uh dolls and then terrorizing a bunch of people at once um but even you know in in you know bride of chucky you see that with you know the the two teenagers and then john ritter dad you know in the rv at one time and that kind of thing i mean i think that's a great a great point because that really does become his character and it wasn't until and i didn't even i didn't really make that connection in terms of three but you're right but like i think seed of chucky more than any of them he's like outright admitting he's just like i mean they're trying to quit cold turkey and he's like no i you know i don't think there's anything wrong with needing to kill someone every now and then he doesn't care who it is necessarily it's just like that's he's a strangler um i mean that's who charles lee ray was and i think uh yeah in child's play three he's finally right he's like the live rounds thing especially is just like a perfect example of that um you you reminded me of a line from the show too which is um so in the, a lot of the show is him trying to convince these other kids to start killing too. And so he's trying to do it on like the, the, the main uh, actor and he's talking to him and he's like, so are you more of a strangling guy or a stabbing guy? Cause I'll be honest, I can see the benefits of either. <laughs> you know? It's just was like, Oh yeah. It really ties into like him. Charlie Z Ray as the strangler before the child's play franchise, like his history, but also like how chucky mostly kills in these franchises which is with a right. knife you know so it was it was it, you reminded me of that when you were talking about the uh the strangling and stabbing and everything that's hilarious i can't wait to watch the show yeah. um yeah i just three also is like you know that the, the one benefit it has i think from being on the, the military base is that you have um like a second sort of antagonist introduced so there's like an added even though it's like yeah. that cheesy sort of cliche thing where like the you know the drill sergeant or whatever is is an asshole mm. to everyone else beneath him and he's got to be shown his place eventually um like it's been done a million times before but it's just another wrinkle on top of the fact that there's a killer doll running amok um at the school yeah. which was which is fun um yeah the third one is like the first one that also just introduces like just asshole characters yeah. Because one and two really don't have that, and you know, I was really worried when I rewatched two that like, oh, is like the are the foster parents going to be like assholes to him, or like is his foster sister? And I was like, no, like I mean, even the the foster dad is like the most quote unquote kind of a hole, but he's not really an asshole. He's just he knows that they're probably like in over their heads with a child with the amount of needs that Andy has, and they he's probably like even when they like first talk them tell the family about bringing him in. He was kind of like, you know, are we the right fit? I don't know if we're, like, able to handle a child like Andy, basically, with this kind of trauma. Um, but he's not never really, like, an asshole. He just is, like, stern a couple times. But the third one, really, besides that 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 other teen drill instructor yeah. kid, like, he's, like, a total right. asshole. The, the main guy that runs the military academy is, like, a bit of an asshole. Sure. And then the dude who does, like, all the haircuts... Yeah. Is kind of an asshole too. So like, it is like the one that brings in a bunch of like the a hole characters that like, I don't think are really needed. It, like we've talked about it before on this podcast. Like, you know, I think when a horror movie just has like a bunch of a hole characters, like they're doing something wrong, 
and I think this is like the one area where it does something wrong, where it just has a, a few like real a-hole characters that it does not need. Um, you know, you can tell like a compelling story without having this many assholes. That's a it. good point. The opening sequence of that movie too, of three, um, in some ways is really cool because I like that they, they, they like kind of make fun of, um, corporate America and like the head of the toy company is yeah. like, well, fuck it. Let's reintroduce all of the dolls because like no one remembers Andy and like the fact that there was this tragedy, mm-hmm. like who cares? Um, it's all about the bottom line. Uh, and then he's killed by Chucky and like his character is not needed. That scene is not needed. We've already seen him pieced back together during the yeah. opening credits. Like who cares? But also like you're right. I mean, it's the introducing an asshole character just to like make it okay to kill him off. Um, and maybe that's why that yeah. scene's in the movie. But um, apart from like making fun of corporate America, that scene is completely uh, like you could extract it without affecting that film one iota. Um, I agree, but, but I also do like that. That's sort of like a t- it's fun and it's like a tie into right exactly because two is very much about like two ends there and yeah, like it's about kind of a hole you know business. Although really the only asshole is like the main boss of the the company because um what's the name of the the lackey guy who um who ends up getting killed by chucky on the drive home who he stops to get the vodka and everything oh in two his his gal Uh, i don't remember yeah in two because he i'm just saying like he's not really like an an asshole he's just sort of like you know you know a corporate dude so it's really i guess two i should say does have like one specific i guess a-hole in the, in the boss but for the most part you know you don't run into that but yeah I, I i like that opening scene too because i felt like it was like a direct tie into the second film yeah 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 no i guess that that's true also in its favor i will say and i know don mancini i think has said um that three is like his least favorite and that he didn't like i don't mm. think he felt like he brought anything to the table but I did not know until recently. I never really thought about it or bothered to look because why? Um, but that two and three came out like nine months apart. It was less than a year. Oh wow! Um, wow, I didn't know it was less than a year. That's that's yeah, crazy. which is which is insane. I mean, and that's what's funny is that happens all the time now um, with like big franchises when they do like you know they like complete the trilogy by filming two and three back to back or whatever. Like, there's plenty of um, yeah. But like these ones, two and three feel very different. Um, so even though they they're do. nine months apart, um, and I, I don't know if it's a different. I forget who directed the second one, but um, I don't know if it's different filmmakers. But obviously Don Mancini wrote both of them, but they feel completely different. Um, like I would never have known that they came out nine months apart. Um, they also take place. There's a big time gap between them, right? I mean, yeah, because basically it jumps forward in time um, to when he's a right. teenager. So like it. It's um, ambitious that they do that in a nine-month period. Yeah, so like he's at least trying new things, even if um, you know they're not nearly as as successful. But yeah, like a jump forward in time, and they are different directors. It was John Lafia for the second, and Jack Bender for okay, the third. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then um, I am curious because. You're right. I mean, it, I wonder if like MGM UA like commissioned them both at the same time, but like they didn't. Obviously, I don't think they were like filming back to back like like they do. You know, like when the Matrix right. sequels came out, they didn't film them as one thing. But I do wonder if they commissioned two sequels like right away because of the success of the. Yeah, first I one. have to wonder that too. Nine months is not a lot of time to 
And that's the other thing is like the production values on both two and three are very good. Um, they don't feel mm-hmm. like rushed. It's just, you know, they're not, uh, three is not the strongest in the franchise by any means, but you can't look at three and say like, that's a really cheaply made movie. Oh no, no way. Uh, yeah, I agree. Like the production values all there, yeah. you know, and it's, it was, you know, it's like a solid, you know, solid, like theatrical horror film from the early nineties, yeah, exactly. you know, not, you know, not not a lot more to say. Although we've said now. About yeah, no, no, no. Sorry. So. <laughs> yeah, I know. We do this. No, no, no. So I have the back to back here with the my final pick and the first pick of the fourth round. Uh I am going to take, and this is the order I had on my list, not just because I know um, that you like Seed. I am going to take the remake, the Child's Play remake from 2019. Um, this was one that. I enjoyed it a lot more the first time I watched it. And the first time I'd watched it when it came out, I hadn't watched all of these other movies that were a part of Don Mancini's series. I had seen the first four up through Bride and hadn't watched Seed and Cult and Curse. Um, and I, I liked it at the time. I thought it was decent. Watching it again, because I, I rewatched it um, when we decided to do this, um, I didn't like it as much the second time. And I just, I feel like a lot is lost when the doll is not, you know, taken over by a Charles Lee Ray. When it's just a, you know, I know that they're trying to update it to like a modern time and everything. And so it's like just a, basically an AI that has all of its like settings tampered with basically. Um, but it just it just is there's so much lost i feel like when you do that when you don't have the personality behind it you know when it's just this computer basically and this ai that honestly has been done so much better before you know like with a hal or with a terminator or something that it just the, the fun is gone when it's when it's just this like ai version of it so and watching it for the second time really kind of hit home, especially after watching all of these other ones, because there's just there's so much more fun, you know, even even the, the you know, my least favorite of them, which Seed would arguably be my least favorite. Um, but that's just so I mean, that that I think the problem with that one and we'll talk about it when you get is that it just goes too far. <laughs> it just goes like like off the deep end um, to the point where I think it maybe like loses a little bit of the uh you know what it's going for um well i don't even know that's not the right way to put it because i think that is very much like don mancini's like vision it's just it's just too far campy and too far in that direction i should say um but the remake is you know it's well written for what it is the performances are all good i don't dislike aubrey plaza although it is so funny to me like seeing aubrey plaza be like the parent of like yeah a young I did teen, not buy that at all. Which I mean, look, age-wise, technically, yes, she could be. Like if she was like, you know, gave I don't know what it is, like twenty at twenty or something. I don't know. But it just like she looks so much yeah. younger than Catherine Hicks does in the first one. I'm just like, I do not get mom energy from Aubrey Plaza. And also, I don't buy that Aubrey Plaza would be with this guy who is such an a-hole to her son. Right. You know, because she doesn't she doesn't read to me as a character who like whose self-esteem is so low that she like needs to be with this guy 
who even though she doesn't realize he's married and is like messing around on his wife that she would be with a guy who's just an a-hole to her kid you know and it would forgive so much like crappy behavior he has to her kid she reads to me as someone who is very confident in herself and and you know smart and intelligent and so i'm like what is she doing with this guy and it just yeah it was it wasn't as fun as it as it could have been you know i i think mark hamill did a great job with the voice but i mean nothing's gonna be better than brad dorif as chucky yeah i can't agree with that more um yeah it's pretty much at the bottom of my list too i i it's and it's speaks to the quality of the franchise again that i i mean i think it's a perfectly fine movie it's like very capable yeah. it's well made and i enjoyed it I, I i only saw it once and i'm curious if i watched it again how i'd feel but um it's um perfectly like i said perfectly well made um it was fun i there was no like major faults with it but i almost feel like that's yeah. its biggest fault is that it's just it's wholly unnecessary um which is weird yeah. because, like, I'm not 100% against remakes um, if there's some merit to them. And to be honest, like, if you were going to remake the Child's Play franchise, the premise of updating it with, like, this idea of, like, the Internet of Things, the AI being tampered with, yeah, it makes perfect sense to do it. This Like, you're right. I think Terminator and other, other franchises have done it. But I think that is, like, the most logical way to update it for like the modern era and i think that's that that's a cool Mm -hmm. idea to explore i think it could have been explored better that's a totally different discussion though um i I think there's definitely more that they could have done with that but i i do agree that um so here's the thing i think that um i 100 percent agree that having the soul of a killer inside the doll is just like way more fun and just fits the franchise way better and i understand this is like a reboot and like a remake and so like i'm that's cool they like brought something new to the table the problem is the series had been completely revived at this point um curse and cult had just come out and they were great um (laughs) this this series is very much alive and very active and brad dorif is still actively playing chucky in this like i think newly Mm -hmm. revitalized franchise um and i think it just came out at the exact wrong time um Mark Agreed. Hamill is great. He's fine as it. But like you said, Brad Dorf is so much Chucky. And because, like, if this had come out in 10 years and there hadn't been another Child's Play movie um, since yeah. Cult and the series didn't happen, maybe there's an argument to remake Child's Play. But at this point, when the franchise is as healthy as it, I, I would argue it's as healthy as it's ever been um, mm-hmm. since you know the first one came out, um, like rebooting it is just a weird I, I just think the timing was all wrong. Um, I Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, you, you put it way better than I was thinking about it. But yeah, like it was, the, the series was going, was going super strong. And so to bring, to, to try to revitalize and make it for, you know, an updated version of Chucky, it, it just like felt so, especially having seen those other movies now, just felt so misguided. Yeah. Especially now seeing the TV series now, which has brought the Chucky we know and love into this mod, much, you know, more modern uh, path. Like, not that it wasn't very modern with, like, Cult or anything, but, like, we're seeing what, like, this franchise can do in the modern time right now, and it's fantastic. The show is yeah. great. So, yeah, it, it does seem even more misguided even now in hindsight, especially since the TV series has come out as well. I, and I think it's, 
I didn't, hadn't even thought about this until like right this very moment when we're talking about it, but I, I think it's going to age the most poorly of any of these because of the whole yeah. technology thing. Like technology advances so quickly. Like it was the right idea for the time, mm-hmm. but the movie was not the right time for the movie. Um, if that makes sense. So yes. there's not, it was not the right time to make the remake. They did do the remake. They brought, I think what is an interesting concept to the table, but it's, it was the wrong time to bring it to the table. And it's a concept that inherently is going to date itself very quickly. And I think it's just going to be lo- like, I think it's already been kind of lost to the whatever to time. Like, I, I don't yeah. think it, you know, it made some money. Sure. Um, but I think it, it's been totally forgotten and it's been swallowed up again by its own franchise, <laughs> like by the continuation oh, of the franchise that it was like rebooting. Um, and I think it's just going to be a very forgettable movie um in a lot of different ways and it's unfortunate because like it was the talent was there the people were there like i think the creative team was on board i think they could have done things better but like cast was there the performances are there mark hamill being chucky is a great casting choice but again Mm -hmm. all of those things are great in the absence of a great franchise that it's still ongoing and they had they don't have that it's still a completely viable franchise that they've tried to reboot at exactly the wrong time. And for that reason alone, I just think that it has to be towards the bottom of my list. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with you. And the one other thing I want to say about this one before we move on to Seed, which is obviously going to be your final pick here, I really don't like how he gets to be um, a killer doll where the AI is jacked up. I, I really don't like that it's kind of blamed on like this one worker at the factory because it's like okay so we're dealing with this character who's being like abused i mean this is like an overseas factory it's like i so wish this would have been like some it person or something or something that more dealt with like the corporate malfeasance that we would have seen in like two and three it's a good point you know that like blame it on like the higher-ups and the bosses not on this like person of color who's abused in one of these like factories overseas who just decides to like jack up the settings because they're being abused like i I don't know it just and then i think am i remembering this correctly that they'd like jump out the window and kill themselves afterwards oh i forgot that but yeah i think you're right or or is that yeah so i'm like i'm like come on like we could have figured out a much better way to to have created this killer doll that's based on ai um rather than it being this like lowly worker at one of these factories that's the other thing that I was like, just from the jump, is just sort of like, I don't like how they we got to this. Yeah, point. I. That might be one of the things that I think the Terminator franchise does better, and it the Terminator franchise doesn't date itself. I mean, this is a movie, nineteen eighty four, I think was the first Terminator, and it's it's dealing with AI, yep. which was, I mean, it's very much ahead of its time, but it's dealing with AI getting so smart that it becomes self aware. Whereas again, you're saying this is exactly. being blamed on one employee, at the bottom of the chain of this company. Um, exactly. Yeah, I don't not that i don't buy it i just think it's kind of manipulative and and doesn't doesn't really work um yeah and it just could be done better you know it's not that i don't buy it either it's just like uh, this could be done so much better than than it being blamed on yes like someone like this in in this corporate structure like you know have it be the ai learns or something and like decides to do this rather than um you know blaming it on like these abused people in a factory overseas that's to- you know? totally like, true it's just and it's just you know it, it's like living in this time now i think it's a scary premise that ai could be easily like hacked or um 
become oh, self-aware yeah. enough to to do something serious. But when you're talking about a series, to your point, um, where you're talking about like a doll that's possessed by the soul of a killer, like if it's just the AI, it's just like, well, then just take the batteries out. This is not threatening anymore. Like the thing with the rest of the series exactly. is like you have to it's like you can't kill him because it's a soul and uh-huh. it's just inhabiting this vessel. But in this case, it's just like, well, turn it off. <laughs> like, what is the problem? Yeah, dis disconnect him from yeah. the Wi-Fi, and suddenly you know like, he's going to lose a bunch of right. his power. <laughs> you know, disable his Bluetooth, and he can't activate the friggin' drones in the final exactly. scene or something. You know, it's just. Yeah, I, I agree. So, yeah, that's, it is, again, like, these were the types of things watching for the second time where I was just like, ugh. Like, I, they really became more distasteful the second time. Not that, again, again, not that it's a bad movie. It's a perfectly serviceable so, yeah. movie. But I agree, it's going to age the worst, and it doesn't make sense to reboot this franchise of yep. all of them because it was going so strong and is continuing to go strong here in the the, the TV yeah, series. Yeah. I- literally think that and since the tv series has been renewed and they might do new films and don mancini is still involved i really think that this remake is going to be just swallowed up by the rest of the the franchise around it like surrounding it it's never going to be mentioned it's going to be forgotten completely to history um which is a shame in some ways because it is a fine movie and i just think that that team could have been put to work on another movie and that would have been better and more appropriate for the time it was released Oh yeah, absolutely. And those agree. those ideas could have been explored. Well, I mean, they have been. Like again, you said Terminator and stuff, but even within the idea of like a killer toy or something, I think they could have been explored outside of Child's Play franchise and and just done better. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, all right, but yes, you're right. Cedar Chucky is the only one left, and yeah, um, it was not the last one on my list. I will say. Um, but again, okay. I, I think they're kind of interchangeable. Um, I had not seen Seed of Chucky until last week. Uh, and I don't know. When it first came out, I was like, I don't know. I, I, don't, I, it, I guess I was kind of fresh off three and four. And at the time was not crazy about three. And I just was not excited about another Chucky movie. Um, I mm-hmm. just feel like I, how wrong I was. I mean, it's like. Not that Seed of Chucky is by any means the strongest in the franchise, but it's so much fun, just like all of the other movies. I It's silly and over-the-top and stupid, but I gotta say, I love all of those elements about it. Um, you know, uh, it took Bride of Chucky, and it ran with it. And it, like, it ran with the meta-ness. Yeah. Um, it ran with, like, the theme, like, the ending of, of Bride of Chucky is, like segues right into seed and the entire premise of having the, the son or a daughter glenn or glenda um you know mm-hmm. tiffany and, and chucky's and it brings tiffany back and the honestly i don't even mind having red man in it playing himself although i think that could have been anyone like it's just a random i don't understand why it was yeah him versus anyone else um he's totally fine he's funny in the movie and it's a great part but like he's the only like meta part of the movie that i felt was like too meta jennifer tilly playing herself is hilarious i was i yes. got so much leverage out of like the bound references i love bound i think bound is a terrific movie <laughs> and the fact that she kept yeah. bringing it up um was hilarious to me um every time they mentioned bound um i i was like laughing out loud um and that's again, that's Jennifer Tilly just making fun of herself. It's great. Yeah. Well, and this is what we were talking about earlier about like how many actors are so like 
don't have the ego that they're willing to like do the type of stuff that they do with their quote unquote real life persona. I mean, like her being willing to sleep with Redman, the producer, to get a role. Like how many actresses would do that in a movie playing themselves? That like, oh, I would do this, you know. And and obviously it's like, it's so very heightened because this movie is very heightened and over the top in many ways. But, you know, I just, I don't think there's a lot of actresses who would even like go there. And she's just so like game to go there and and be that ridiculous. Yeah, Yeah, that's so, it's, she's, that franchise is so lucky to have her is all I'll say. I mean, she really has done so much for it and what could have easily been a throwaway character that like came and went in one movie has mm-hmm. become a mainstay. And, and like seed of Chucky is really, I think she like, it's great to have John waters in it. He's hilarious. There's lots of fun stuff about the mm-hmm. movie. Um, you know, Glenn or Glenda is actually like, it's like that, that whole premise is, is I think an interesting thing to explore. I think it's handled well. Um, I think some of the revelations with like at the end when the, uh, the agent is pushed over the banister and you find out it was like Glenn or Glenda wearing um, like dressed up as Tiffany is like yeah. fun. Um, and of course the ending where they've taken over like the, the body of the, the actual child and then Jennifer Tilly has been taken over mm-hmm. by Tiffany. But the meta-ness works in my opinion, really well in this movie. And I, I think that's what I, again, with the exception of Redman and not him or his character, it's just like what it that seemed like the most arbitrary of all of the sort of in jokes. Yeah. I think it works and it's funny, um, but it just like I couldn't get past like the randomness of it being like him versus anyone else. Um, whereas like the yeah. bringing Jennifer Tilly in makes sense because like she was kind of already brought in in that space and bride. Um, but like one of the funniest parts of that movie, um, maybe the funniest part in the franchise to me um is the is is the movie at its most meta when jennifer tilly playing herself is on the phone with tiffany the doll voiced by jennifer tilly and the agent and is screaming in the background and jennifer tilly's like oh no don't worry bound is on in the other room it's just gina gershon fingering me um which i'm sorry to be crude but like that that i mean it's bringing in she's making fun of herself there's two Jennifer Tillys on screen. Yeah. She's referencing a movie that I like. She's bringing in another actress who doesn't even appear in Seed of Chucky, um, but like making uh-huh. fun of her too, of Gina, which like I have to imagine must have been brought in on the joke at some point before that movie came out because she's mentioned several times in it. Um, I, I think I think that works for me. It's hilarious. I know some people just find that whole kind of premise of that being that meta, um, but I will maybe it's a weakness, but any movie that sort of makes fun of its own actors. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of um, one of the best examples uh, that has done that recently, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. I think it's, it's great to see actors and actresses make fun of themselves and, um, yeah. and it works in this movie for me. Yeah. And I'll be honest. So <clears throat> I, I'm imagining you probably had the remake at the bottom of your list. Uh, and actually, I had Child's Play 3 at the bottom, right below the remake. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. I, I remember from our like brief discussion, you were saying that you, you had enjoyed Seed of Chucky. And, um, look, it's at the bottom of mine, but it's not like it's you know far and away removed much lower than some of the, the ones right above it. Um, I, I was really on board with the movie for 
the first like half of it or so and then it just felt you know the meta-ness and the camp of it just kept getting pushed and kept getting pushed and kept getting so over the top and so ridiculous that i was just like okay it's just it's gone overboard a little bit it's gone a little too far in the silliness direction as much as i enjoyed like jennifer tilly being silly and 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 playing with her persona and all of the like uh you know humorous aspects of it i I am on board but i just feel like uh, bride of chucky had that great balance of the meta aspects of it and like a bit more seriousness or at least more serious in terms of its scares this one i feel like just goes like so far in the ridiculous (laughs) camp area of it that it's just a little um too much that it loses some of the actual like you know horror elements of the the franchise and so it's just too far in that direction for me you know it's but again i would much rather watch seed of chucky than you know any number of the sequels of like halloween or like more than like friday five or like whatever you yeah. know like i would so rather watch this than like the worst some of the other uh ones installments of other franchises because this still has a lot of fun to it even for as ridiculous as it gets, it's it's very fun. Um, and, and Seed very much sort of occupies a lot of the same territory that like a Scream 3 does. Where it's taking its like hacks at like Hollywood and the ridiculous nature of the movie business. Like the fact that Red Man, and I, I agree with you, it could have kind of been anybody else. But I think it's very telling that this is a movie that's been greenlit that red man's going to be like the producer and star of that's like a biblical right. <laughs> tale you know it's just like you know it's taking the piss so to speak with like this sort of like the the way things get made in hollywood uh and i think don mancini's having a lot of fun with that and speaking of bound references i believe there is a bound reference in the tv series if i'm remembering correctly oh, <laughs> it was like Something to the effect of like Jennifer Tilly says something to like one of the middle schoolers. If I'm remembering this correctly, that's like I don't know. Maybe something was like um, hinted at towards like sex or something, and she's like, "You're a little young to have seen Bound" <laughs> or something like that. I think there, I think there's something like that in the TV series in one of the eight episodes. Um, but anyway, yeah. So for me, Seed is just a little too silly and ridiculous, but is still a lot of fun. Yeah, fun is the right word for Seed. And I, I, I was like, you know, yeah, you're right, because I think, I, I do think, like I said, it's an arbitrary choice, but like, Red Man makes fun of himself the whole time, and it's great. I think he's awesome oh, yeah. in it, and like, yeah. he's, he's, he's playing this very shallow version of himself, and like, it's hilarious to see people make Absolutely. fun of themselves. I also think as the first movie that Don Mancini directed, um, he did it very competently and confidently. Um, and I will oh, say yeah. the, the opening sequence is actually brilliant. Um the the one that's entirely in in um the from the pov of of glenn and glenda like it's one continuous shot and there are some incredible mm-hmm. moments in that thing like when he pushes the father over the banister and the camera goes down with it and then runs right back upstairs i don't know it's really well done and choreographed um oh yeah i for for that scene alone i think it's worth watching that movie i think it's it's that was a great for me um I guess I'd seen Cult of Chucky first, but still I was like, okay, this is his directorial debut. I'm like, I have no idea what I'm in mm-hmm. for. This is going to be kind of cool. And like, he blew me, blew me out of the water. And like that first scene alone, I was like, okay, he knows what he's doing. And this is like, I'm a hundred percent on board now. Let's see where he goes. Um, yeah, no, I agree. I, and 
I will say like one of the things about the beginning of the movie that kind of bums me out too is just like um, after that when uh, Glenn slash Glenda is sort of like held captive by that really yeah. shitty English um, ventriloquist artist, I guess is what he was, but who's not really a ventriloquist because he makes Glenn or slash Glenda do all these bits right. and stuff. But just like, like that's the like probably the biggest asshole character in the entire that's franchise <laughs> who's just like basically has this child who's in like a, a doll form like and just treating them like garbage i'm like it truly bums me out i'm like oh this is like depressing and yeah. bleak you know <laughs> and then obviously it gets a lot more silly and fun when they get to bright hollywood you know um a bright colorful hollywood but still like I, it does kind of put me in a little bit of a depressed funk at the beginning uh, um because yeah. of that that's a good point it's also weird the, the whole like they allude to the ending of bride of chucky but like in a really sort of they pass over it not that it's important and i don't care and that's like again the thing with this franchise is like the fact that he brings in these small details and like the, the continuity between them is all very consistent but like it, that character i think alludes to how he found glenn or glenda and he was like yeah i just found him in a graveyard one day and there's like no explanation beyond that like it's yes he finds exactly. him where the very last movie ends but like at that point in the movie you don't know what happened to chucky or tiffany he doesn't say what he was doing in the graveyard mm -hmm. or like it just yeah i found him in the graveyard now he's like he's just, just this talking doll and now he's my career <laughs> that's all you need to know exactly. about this let's gloss <laughs> over it it's great and that and that was funny to me i mean i think that in itself is yeah some good humor oh yeah like i i i appreciate that where like you know a franchise will be like yeah look we need to get ahead like you know six eight years whatever it is <laughs> like sure this british guy found him in an american <laughs> graveyard and somehow he's back in britain with him and everything and it's not a big deal whatever yeah, we're moving yeah. on like yes i agree like that is uh that is in and of itself funny but um yeah just the way he treats him i'm just like yeah God, such an asshole and I, I don't think that that guy doesn't get killed no so it's like usually when you have these like super asshole characters it's like because you delight in getting to see them uh be murdered in some way in some of these horror movies but just to see him be such a dick and then get no comeuppance except that glenn slash glenda escapes it's like oh, that's a good point on. yeah yeah at least give me a satisfying kill if you're gonna have this this bad of a character. Yeah, you know? absolutely. That's a really good point. Yeah. 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 Well, we did it, Nick. We drafted we the sure franchise. Did. To recap, recap for everybody, uh, in the first round, Nick took the original Child's Play. In the second round, he took Curse of Chucky. In the third round, he took Cult of Chucky, and in the fourth round, he took Seed of Chucky. Uh, I took Child's Play 2 in the first round, Bride of Chucky in the second round, Child's Play 3 in the third round, and then the remake in the fourth round. Uh, we have no undrafted free agents because these are the only eight films in the franchise, uh, if we factor in the remake. Um, I guess we can do Reach and Steal of the Draft, but I would be 100% honest with you, Nick. Like This really played out kind of roughly what I would have expected. And, and like we discussed so much, like... So many of these from like four to seven for me are like so yeah, interchangeable. I don't think there could be a reach that, or a steal. Uh, yeah. I, I should say actually between four and six really because I think the bottom two for me would be the remake and seed. But 
you know, there's like a little bit of variance there. Obviously, you said you had Child's Play 3 at the bottom. And so, yeah, it's it's tough to really even pick a, a reach and a steal here. Yeah, I... The quality of the franchise is so consistent. I can't, like, I wouldn't fault you for picking anything. Um, Like, if you had picked Seed as your top choice, I st- honestly, there's so much to like about that movie that I honestly, I couldn't <laughs> consider that a reach. I really wouldn't. I, I don't know. I mean... Look, picking anything over the original first, I would say like I guess has so. to definitively be the reach, even if it's yeah, like yeah, your yeah, favorite. But it'd be like someone take. I mean, okay, so it's not to the same degree as someone taking something over the original yeah. Halloween, like you know. But I mean, that is still very much like the definitive Child's Play movie that like sets up so much of it and and everything, and it is, I think, the most like competently executed of like of the the franchise not that the other ones aren't but i i guess what i'm saying is um it has the most singular vision i guess you know it knows exactly what it's doing and is, is going for that the other ones i think are a little bit more experimental that's fair you know as we see and i know there are um, people who like really favor the later entries in the nightmare franchise because they get silly and like they, they like that aspect sure. of freddie of robert england's performance and freddie's character and i know I have spoken yeah. to people who really like the later, like Bride of Chucky, a lot because it gets silly and they like that mm. kind of version of the Chucky character. So I can't fault them. Yeah, Matt Matt Bronsdorf, I think, said he would. That's the best of the franchise because exactly. it's so yeah, silly. Yeah, and and I like that. Yeah. I I can't. Even, I wouldn't fault someone. I wouldn't fault anyone for their opinion ever. But in this case, especially, I couldn't sure. even find fault with that uh, at all. Like I couldn't even. I wouldn't even have yeah. a discussion about it. Like if someone told me Bride was their favorite over the first one, I honestly wouldn't even blink an eye. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, look, it's we've talked so much about how relatively consistent this franchise is, uh, owing a lot to Don Mancini who wrote them all. And I agree. Like, I guess if someone had Bride of Chucky over the original Child's Play, I would get it because that is so different, right? It, it is like the horror comedy introducing the meta elements, you know, late 90s in that same scream. I know you did last summer, like ter- faculty, the faculty territory. So it's like, I get it. If you have a soft spot for those and H2O, oh, yeah. uh-huh. right? Like it's, it's like right in that like same time period. So if you're like us and you have a soft spot for that time in horror, that late 90s time, like I would get it. Uh, but gosh, yeah, that I don't know. In my mind, it's tough to pick anything over the original. But yes, I I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I I, I picked the original for it. I think it's a definitely head and shoulders. Well, maybe not head and shoulders, but I think it's it's definitively the clear top choice for me. Um, but yeah, yep. I, I still if again ask me next week, and I might pick this in a whole different order. Seriously, I'm not sure. Um. It's yeah, shocking. I know we started the episode with that discussion, but it, it was my biggest takeaway from revisiting these was just like more than any other really movie series in general, but certainly horror series. Um, mm. Certainly one that is this long lasting. Um, like there's so much to be said about how Don Mancini has steered this and kept it consistently good um from start to finish again even the weakest one which three until last week i really hated but revisiting it i'm like it's not even that bad it really isn't yeah and the remake which is completely and wholly unnecessary as i said is still not bad it's well made yeah still very serviceable yeah exactly um 
Yeah, I think that's unique yeah, it was, in that, that regard. 100%. Yeah, my biggest takeaway to watching uh, a bunch of all of these all again and, and, and seeing Seed through Cult for the first time was, wow, these are all like just solid movies and like very consistent all the way through. And it was a shock. I, I truly was surprised. Um, you know, just, I mean, and I, I mean, but look, part of that is, you know, how you go into them. You know, I really didn't read anything about Curse and Cult and anything. And, you know, they, like we talked, you know, knowing that they were straight to VOD, it was kind of like, uh, okay. Uh, and just the title, Cult of Chucky, like we discussed, I was like, oh boy. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, they're just absolutely solid and, and really well done. And, um, I mean, I'm just excited for Don Mancini right now because, I mean, he has just run with this series since 2004 with Seed of Chucky. And he's done, like, really, really great stuff. And I'm so happy that the TV show is doing well um, and is has a lot of viewers because I'm really excited for uh, where that's going to go and where that's going to take the characters. So it's really exciting. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I haven't seen the series. I'm really looking forward to checking it out. But... um. As soon as they greenlit the second season, I and I started reading those interviews with him saying he he definitely thinks Chuck Gill will return in a feature film. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm totally gung ho about this series again. Uh, yeah, yeah, more than ever. I never really. Yeah, it was never oh. a big one for me. Um, like, it's a big slasher name. Chucky is like a huge name, and I watched them for that reason. But it was not one that I would revisit. But I'm so glad I did. It's definitely way up there now for me. Yeah, I 100% agree. I mean, it was it was up there. It was probably like, I guess I would put it like, I was going to say fourth, but then I was like, I mean, honestly, as a series, I probably liked Child's Play, Child's Play 2 and Bride of Chucky more than I liked, you know, most of the Halloween ones. So I, I would have said like Friday, Nightmare, and Child's Play. I probably would have taken the Child's Play franchise over, over Halloween just because really besides the original, since the new ones, you know just the original and h2o were the top two for me in that franchise and a lot of the rest i was just like i'm not into most of this um but yeah like rewatching, i was like gosh like this is right up there man i I would probably put it above nightmare now where it's right neck and neck with um friday the 13th because it's more consistent like we said but i think the highs of friday the 13th i love and are more dear to my heart than you know the highs of child's play but yeah like you know it's right up there now and i'm and it's really cool to do a franchise i mean i know we did halloween and where they just had released halloween kills but it's it's exciting to do one where like so much is still going on with a franchise i mean obviously they're making a third one in halloween and that's exciting but i mean i wasn't like super as super high on what they were doing with halloween and halloween kills as i am with what they're doing in the child's play franchise now so it's nice to do a series where we're just like really excited about where they're going with with the franchise yeah yeah i think child's play could be argued again that this is as healthy a place as the series has ever been in so like yeah like who knows where it's going to go from here but like the sky seems to be the limit for them um Whereas, like, I mean, even with Halloween, I mean, that series can reinvent itself as many times as it wants. And I use the word reinvent loosely because it's still the same movie over and over again, which is fine. Um, But, 
like even right now they're like they're in the middle of a trilogy that they've defined as like the you know they're going to end the trilogy and then what like Mustafa Akkad or, or Malik Akkad is going to is going to just reboot it yet again you know and it'll be another trilogy yeah. but Child's Play again to Donovan's new credit is like just one continuing story and it's healthiest it's ever been and I'm so excited to see where it goes so like this is a cool time to be doing this series yeah 100% Nick, do you remember before we started recording, and I was like, oh, this will be fun. Yeah. This would be pretty quick, because it's just the two of us. It's like the longest one dash, we've ever done. It's... I know. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I don't I don't think I'm going to be able to finish up. Yeah, this. I, I, this got, I can't believe how far this got away from me. But, um... but it's exciting, because we're both so excited about the franchise. I know. Talking about. I did not expect to be. Yeah. I guess that's the... Yeah, I mean that's the good news, you know. It's it, you know we both just really enjoyed revisiting the franchise and seeing the ones we hadn't seen, and and just I guess we're we're gushing a lot about the yeah, franchise. Yeah. You know, we can always put like a little marker if people just want to hear the draft. We could say it starts at this time code, but like whatever. I'm, I'm glad we talked about it, and I'm glad we had the precursor discussion about yeah. uh, overall quality because like that got one of my major points out of the way real quick, and I thought it was going to be a controversial thing to say. Oh, yeah, no. I mean, I'm glad that we were just both right on board with that. And that was like the first yeah. thing we thought of was like how consistent the yep, franchise totally. was. Uh, yeah, well, geez. If you all have stuck around with us through <laughs> to the end here, thank, thank you. Thank you. you. Uh, yeah. And uh, I, I, that's going to do it for, for this episode of the Horror Drafts podcast. Uh, stick around. Next episode, TBA. Uh, we haven't decided yet. And uh uh we'll we'll see but we we hope to have you back soon and uh by the way i i didn't post this on any of our socials nick but uh i got our spotify wrapped at the end of the year uh four of you out there have listened to the horror drafts podcast more than any other podcast on spotify so i don't know who four of you that is but thank you (laughs) we appreciate it um yeah exactly and uh and yeah we'll we'll see you all uh we'll see you all next time all right The song you heard in this episode is You Are a Monster by Monroeville Music Center. It's being used under a CCBY Creative Commons license and was accessed from freemusicarchive.org. If you'd like to hear more of Monroeville Music Center, you can find them on Bandcamp, their Facebook page, YouTube, Spotify, Pandora, Apple Music, Discogs, iHeartRadio, and Deezer. And hey, if you want to reach out and communicate with us, please send an email to horrordraftspod at gmail.com or find us on Instagram at horrordrafts, all one word. We'd love to hear any questions you have for us, suggestions for topics to draft, or ideas for guests, especially if you can put us in touch with them. Thanks everyone, and we hope to hear from you soon. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.